This is episode 117 of Alogamora for January 3rd, 2015. Welcome, listeners, back to Alohomora, our global reread of Harry Potter. I'm Michael Harley. I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm Eric Sko. And I'm Kat Miller. Guys, it's 2015. Woo! Hey! Yay! 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 It's a new year, and with the new year comes the end of our read of one of the Harry Potter books. We are done with Order of the Phoenix. I think it's very, um, what's the word? Not serendipitous, but um, something of that nature. That, you know, we ended a book at the end of the year. It's kismet. Start oh, fortuitous. It, the time lined up. Everything lined up very well. Yes, it all lined up very well. Yes. What What are you guys looking forward to in the in the fandom this year the most? Reading Half-Blood Prince and not Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Order of the Phoenix is such a good book. Bye-bye, Order uh, of the Phoenix. <laughs> Bye. I'm glad we've got later. Let's, let's be honest. Mean. Is, 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 there, is there any... Because we don't get Fantastic Beasts quite yet, right? No. Right. Nope. So, and, do we, and we don't get the West End play. No. So... So, um, <laughs> and we don't get the Wizarding World Los Angeles. <laughs> we do get the casual vacancy, if that's that true, helps oh. at all. And, and also, I mean, of course, Expo Patronum. Yes, yeah, I was just gonna say that. Ooh, yeah, I'm so looking is, forward to that. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. That's there's this okay. is actually, um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but this is the 10 year anniversary of when Half Blood Prince came out. Is it really? Oh, four, that's no, oh, five, honey. Oh right! Oh five! Oh my god! Oh my! Oh. It's, it's 2015. It, it's only okay. It's only been 15 hours. Cut me! Cut me some slack. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Prince. Order of the Phoenix came out uh, July 2005. Oh or sorry, Half of Prince came out. Yeah, it did. July 16th of July. July 2005. Yeah. So, yeah. so wow. This will be as we're going through it. It'll be these these words will will already have been 10 years on the page. It's crazy. This is the wow. year of Half Blood Prince. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we do have a few things to get to before we get there, though. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like today, on this episode, where we are going to wrap up Order of the Phoenix with a nice pretty bow, and before we ship mm-hmm. it out. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, too, the uh, big deal with, of course, what comes with a book wrap is also a movie watch. Yeah. We're doing our movie watch Saturday January 3rd, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. There are many time zone converters, listeners out there, if you want to find out what 10 a.m. Eastern Time means in your time zone. But please join us, because we watch... Well, we watch the movie, but we don't actually watch the movie together. But we watch it together, but we can't stream it, because that's not legal. Um, but we watch the movie, we comment on it, and then we get together and we talk about what we watched. And we have you, the listeners, call in to give us your thoughts. And so we need you to make the movie watch a good, strong show. So please join us for that Saturday, January 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. But of course, you know, before we wrap up the book, well, I guess as part of wrapping up the book, because this is the book wrap episode. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to go through some comments from the discussion on last week, which was, of course, the very last chapter, chapter 38 of Order of the Phoenix. And our first comment here comes from Skagai. It says, 
Order of the Phoenix is about demolishing Harry's foundations. Dementors destroy his idea of safety in the beginning. Umbridge destroys his home. Dumbledore destroys their relationship and therefore his key to all answers. Voldemort destroys his dreams. And Sirius's death destroys Harry's illogical conception that Sirius and all the ones he loves will always be there with him. The reason for this chapter's title is that this is the moment in the series where Rowling starts to make Harry whole again, and in the process, wiser and understanding. That is the second war, making Harry whole. So you should feel unsatisfied at the end of this book. Harry has been shattered. Oh, that's 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 nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like this comment just because I like that it's a, it, a different take on what the chapter title means, because usually we think yeah. her... Yeah. Rowling's chapter titles are pretty straightforward in what they mean. So I like that there's a double layer to that idea. Because that, that also addresses the conversation that uh, Caleb and Allison and I had last episode um, about how each of us left Order of the Phoenix. And um, mm-hmm. I did say, I, you know, I did say I, I left, I, and I continue to leave the book unsatisfied. But I think it is intentional, absolutely, like Skagai is saying. Um, there's, and which is why I kind of find the way that the book does and why I was complaining about it because I feel like it does try to kind of give you a happy ending where it really shouldn't be like it's like oh all of Harry's friends came to this train station and beat up the Dursleys yay it finally happened and I'm like no <laughs> there's still some consequences here that haven't really been dealt with like fully but yeah I, I do I do think the book is supposed to leave you mm, a little emptier than any of the Harry Potter books prior to it. It puts the band-aid on this wound so it can start healing. Yes. Yeah. And then you get to Half-Blood Prince and it's all healed. <laughs> I just remembered, yeah. No, Half-Blood Prince is a great book. I really love it. I love um, it. But I remember leaving this book and I just felt so attacked and that, <laughs> that we had been broken in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what makes by... it so good. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pain is gain. <laughs> I won't go that far, um, oh. but um, since I wasn't able to put my two cents into it last week, yes. since I was sadly sick for the episode, um, I really enjoy the ending of this book. Um, not because it seems to be like this, you know, f- false sense of happiness, right. but but as you all know, like the the lost prophecy chapter is my absolute favorite chapter, and it's my favorite in the entire series. And I felt kind of a sense of relief relief at the end of this book um like finally i know where things are headed and where we're going and what's coming next and all the things that we have to not necessarily look forward to but to conquer and everything that's going to happen so i felt more not disappointed or unwhole i felt um energized and anticipatory towards what was next so good (laughs) (laughs) well i think the good news is that we would never have to wait so long for a harry potter book again yeah you know that that was the thing that i was because there was you know there were whispers that kind of the next book was already you know in production and there there was that anticipation that we weren't going to have to wait so horribly long ever again which was nice so Mm -hmm. that's true But moving on, our next comment here comes from Rose Lumos. She says, When it comes to Umbridge and the centaurs, the way I always looked at it was as a mirror situation to the very beginning of the book when Harry and Dudley were attacked by the Dementors. 
Dudley also came out of the attack barely talking and looking quite traumatized. We know that Dudley was in that state because he, he saw himself as he truly was, spoiled and privileged. I wonder if even for a second, Umbridge, who was also troubled by what she saw, that these beings whom she had always seen as primitive and as non-human-like are really an intelligent and civilized people. If she was dragged away to the centaur village, as some people speculate she might have seen the centaurs as they really are and have realized that she was wrong. Of course, we see that she didn't learn her lesson later in Deadly Hallows, but I wonder if she was sitting in the hospital wing, she was questioning everything she knew about herself. Either way, I think the hosts are right. J.K.R. would never joke or make lighthearted comments about sexual assault. So, this is a topic that I think we've skated around quite a few times, never really talked about. Well, we stabbed uh, directly at it last week. Yeah. I think we came to a pretty, like, a, our conclusion, like, the one in this comment from Rose Loomis was that, again, Rowling would never make this, would never make that into a joke. Because the characters do laugh at it at the end. Um, so I, we really didn't think, because she is so sensitive about and, you know, consciously aware of many issues out in the world. And yeah, I don't think that's what, like, it, it's not a joke that way. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing funny about right. that. So, like, that can't be what happened because yeah. the characters joke about it. I do think that's <laughs> a really interesting concept that Umbridge had a moment of self reflection that she, was, she were so, was so. Re repulsive to herself i like it I, I think it's uncharacteristic that they would drag her off and then show her all the inventions that they came up with <laughs> and all the cool ways that they <laughs> like we have a an elevator a freight elevator because we can't do stairs <laughs> that it's made out of ropes take a look you know i'd no. well i think just seeing that they they're not like wild maybe yeah is what this comment is trying to say like they drag her off to retaliate for what she did to them. Like, there is no... If she doesn't get sexually assaulted, I'm surprised. Because they were very, vic they were very vicious about dragging her away. Mm -hmm. I um, agree with that. So, she, I, I, the last thing that I think that they did was try and reason with her about why she's wrong. Because that's more of a sitting and talking thing. And that's not at all the impression that I got when they carried her away. Yeah. And I'm sure Joe is very much aware of the, you know, mythology behind the centaurs. So. Right. I'm, it's going to sound bad, but why would she have done it kind of otherwise? Well, we talked last week about the, that perhaps. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the centaurs are more kind of comparable to a Narnian centaur which I think they are, in that they're off from the traditional depiction. Um, okay. Because it's not suggested that Narnian centaurs do that. Um, they're warriors, just like these centaurs are, but they're not mm. sexual beasts. Um, yeah. It's not right. remotely suggested in that way. So, and, I, and Rowling has said, as we mentioned last week, that, you know, her um, on Pottermore... She talked specifically about, you know, vampires and um, zombies and inferi and how she was very careful about making different portrayals than had originally been seen in fiction before of these kinds of mythological characters. And if you, if you, if you listeners, if you've read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which obviously should because it's going to be a movie, um, there are sections where she takes a jab at 
mythology and says mythology mm-hmm. muggle mythology is wrong this is actually how it is um <laughs> so there are plenty of cases where she doesn't use the original myth or she purposefully subverts the original myth well maybe they maybe they made her a cup of coffee yeah. <laughs> sat around and had tea i'm sure that just the shock of being like dragged around by a centaur was enough yeah. to send her into a fit so i like this i like this comparison between dudley and umbridge yeah. mm-hmm. though i think that's yeah that's that a good like. point for what's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moving on from umbridge to voldemort our next comment here comes from Martin Miggs. You think he's a muggle? <laughs> he's, he's pretty mad. He yeah, he is. It says, If Voldemort heard the prophecy and learned Harry had a power the Dark Lord knows not, how do you think he would react? I doubt he would realize it would be love, but would Harry have had some magical power of some sort? I doubt he would realize it would be love, but would think Harry had some magical power of some sort. Maybe he would attempt to avoid confrontation with Harry. Would he avoid inviting Harry to the forest to face his fate if he had heard this information? No. I'm going to say no. Mm. Just because Voldemort is so prideful and thinks he is the best at everything. So I think he would think that he could overcome Harry anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Mm-hmm. Um, considering Harry was one years old at the time too. Yeah. Um, he may not have directly attacked him. He may have studied him for a little while. It'd be like Harry being babysat by Voldy for like a couple months. <laughs> oh gosh. Until until which time Voldemort decided that he definitely wasn't special and tried to kill him, thereby giving him the power the Dark Lord knows not. Or giving him the special, you know, scar and all of the magic that came with it. I mean, I it's gonna sound bad, but like I understand where Voldemort is coming from. In in this sense, like he has been a lot alive quite a bit longer than Harry, so I would feel like he definitely wouldn't avoid confrontation. I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, because he knows that it, 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 he knows that no matter what, no matter what power Harry might possibly have, he's older, wiser, more powerful. Yeah, you know, magic wise. Anyway. Oh yeah, I mean he's made a Horcrux for crying <laughs> out loud, like. Even at that point, like he he is split yeah. the soul. It's like that's like the wizarding equivalent of splitting the atom. Like if if you've done that, you you start to feel pretty sure of yourself. Yeah. Well, doesn't Dumbledore even say at one point that that's one of Voldemort's downfalls? Is he underestimates other power? He underestimates yes. anything mm-hmm. that he can't do. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I I agree with that. Yep, definitely. Our last comment here comes from Snatch the Snitch. It says this is kind of a funny one, but a, but a good but a good one. It says, looking back on this book, I guess the series as a whole, I don't feel like Umbridge got what she deserved in the books. Anyway, I was left unsatisfied. I'm glad she ends up in Azkaban for life, but I would have liked to experience something more as a reader. Her death, maybe. Honestly, there was a point when I wanted her to die more than Voldemort. Getting taken back by centaurs and traumatized just wasn't enough, especially since we see her in Deathly Hallows back to her wicked ways. Anyone else think she should have joined the Headless Hunt? <laughs> this comment makes me think of there's a meme floating around yep. on the internet and stuff where it's um, Sherlock, uh, BBC Sherlock, <laughs> and the, um, the journalist who's in all pink and they say, <laughs> like, Moffat delivers what everyone <laughs> wanted the end of Umbridge to be. I don't remember exactly what it says, but that's what it made me think of. Huh. I haven't uh. seen this meme, but oh, I, it's I funny. wish to see it. I wish to it's see a good it. one. 
I think the I think the thing that's most unsatisfying, uh, uh, like unsatisfying about Umbridge's fate, especially post Deathly Hallows, is that she's just in Azkaban, which is completely dementor free now. So she's just in prison. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's her sentence for all the horrible no. things she's done. So, and it is frustrating because they're, they're uh, post order the fact that she does come back in Hallows because it's that thing where you're like, oh, I guess we'll let her go because you know, kind of slap her on the hand and let her go. Um, and of course, being who she is, she's just going to go back to doing exactly what she did. It's it's kind of similar to Rita with Hermione being like, naughty Rita, you get to stay in a jar for a few weeks and then not write for a year and then you'll be a good person. Um, which Hermione genuinely thinks is going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, of course, Rita goes right back to where she started. Um, but that's kind of real life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, a ca- it's like a cautionary mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's like there are some... Like as children, there's not a there's not much that they can do to Umbridge. Mm-hmm. Like I guess at the end of the book, you're just hoping that eventually they get her back. Um, I mean, it it is it does hurt though. Like Snitch the Snitch said, to find out that she has not reformed following this uh, this incident, whatever it was, uh, that she continues. I mean, aided by the anger of the Horcrux, of course, uh, you know, ends up becoming one of the foremost. Uh, people who who are backing the registration and all this other stuff in book seven. So it is it is pretty sad to see that. But some people like you just can't change. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially I was just furious when she shows up at Dumbledore's funeral. Oh my gosh! Like, like you have no place to be there, lady. Just that made me so mad. I forgot that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's horrible. If I was there, I would have been like. <laughs> <laughs> that's me smacking her that was a very good awesome. slap i want that on the sound effect i want every whenever somebody texts me i want that to be cat slapping umbrage well there you go i'm sure patrick can make that happen for you okay um but there you go that is our very last recap of order of the phoenix oh yeah i'm the only one who's sad about it let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> there are better books ahead one yes. specifically oh no right, this next oh, one no um okay so then i guess we'll move on to our podcast question of the week responses so the question written by caleb was we learned from nearly headless nick that he stayed behind as a ghost because he was too afraid to move on but was there more to it was there a more specific reason that might have kept him behind a love a purpose in life or something else take it a step further if sirius had stayed behind what might have been the single biggest motivating factor to keep him behind being a godfather to Harry, his growing friendship with Harry, or something else. We pretty much had a consensus on both characters um, from our responses. So um, we had a couple different little variations, though. So I kind of picked those out. So our first comment um, on Nick comes from They've Taken My Wheezy, which is a fabulous <laughs> username. <laughs> yes, Taken My Wheezy. Why haven't you called me yet? We're such a good match. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, and they say nearly headless Nick is nearly headless for a reason. He was executed. Whatever the reason was, his death came to him knowingly. He had to watch the executioner, possibly watch the world around him as he lay his head down and wait for it to be chopped off. Gruesome, disturbing, out of his control. The fear of death must be incredibly strong in anyone facing execution, and perhaps the reason behind his execution made Nick even more fearful. So this one's just kind of saying that he made the choice because the moment he was killed was so full of fear, which I think is a, a great point, and lots of other um, commenters agreed. Do, do you think, though, that it's that last minute of a decision? 
I feel like it has to be something that you're consciously aware of. That's what you want to do. I think for longer the, than just the moment before you die. I think no. it could be the tipping point. No, the impression that I got was like you you don't know for sure that becoming a ghost is a thing that you can do until after you've died. That's my impression anyway. But you don't die. If you become a ghost, you don't die. You do die. A ghost is not a human being. A ghost is not a person. But you don't die. He never goes to the other side. He doesn't like know what, he doesn't know what death is like. Uh, right, but it's like, do you think it's like a King's Cross scene, where it's like, you could move on or not, um, you know, kind of to make the, to make the conscious choice that, yes, I've gotten everything I wanted of life, I'm gonna take the train on, or, you know, like that, like that kind of thing. I think the King's Cross thing was a unique Yeah. Well, I mean, that specifically may have been, but is it not too dissimilar? Because, like, you can be a religious person and believe in the afterlife, and, you, you know, and and that may inform your decision or, or change whether or not you come back. But some people aren't those types of people. Some people aren't expecting it at all. I think in the case of Nick, you know, he wasn't consciously thinking about the the afterlife. He was pretty much tied to the fact that he was about to be executed. And when he was executed, it became a thing where he, for whatever reason, you know, didn't want to die, and that that transferred him, you know, his consciousness, and he became a ghost. Hmm. Uh, I still feel like because, <laughs> like, it's never said that like just religious people can become ghosts or just non-religious people can become ghosts. It's it's just wizards. Yeah. Well, wizards, religion. Well, yeah, religion and wizards is another thing. Right. <laughs> Thanks to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, as we recently learned. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. This is a tough one. I I I, I still personally believe that you have to be conscious of what you would do. Like, don't don't all of you have an answer to the question, if you were a wizard, would you stay as a ghost or move on? Oh, my God. Move on. No, seriously. Like, oh, yeah. Just I... think about it in your head. You know what you would do, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I feel like it's something that you decide kind of unconsciously, and it just is. I'm, I'm not sure that it's a last-minute decision. So it's like, do you want to be an organ donor or not? <laughs> tick the box and then you know later when you die it's determined whether or not you become a ghost or whether or not your organs are used for medical science or transports well i still yes. think it okay uh, i still think it's a conscious decision but i don't think that you can just change your mind at the last second because you're scared of death like i feel like it's something inside of you whether you're either going to be a ghost or you're not but i think if you were at like kind of a gray point if you weren't sure then yeah Something tipping like point, like you been, said. Yeah, it could have been a... Yeah, that has potential. Hmm. Give you that. All right. Maybe. All right, our next comment comes from Rose Lumos, who says, I think that a reason Nick may have stayed behind was not just because he was afraid of death. He might have never experienced the death of a close friend or family member. I can see how someone who has never lost a loved one would view death as scary and lonely. It would mean leaving everything behind. However, someone who has experienced a loss can realize how much there is in death and can imagine being reunited in the afterlife. If Nick only had living loved ones, it would be scary to leave everything behind for the unknown. And kind of along with that, um, Icy Thestrals says, I think if Nearly Headless Nick had stayed behind for a loved one, he knew he would eventually have to accept um, her moving on from life if she didn't make an imprint to stick around as a ghost. This is the risk ghosts take. They are extending their time on Earth for an everlasting false life, yet they must know that they will find themselves alone if their relations choose not to make the same choice. 
If not solely for the fear of death, Nick may have chosen to remain behind to become of better assistance to others. He was sentenced to death for accidentally causing Lady Grieve to grow tusks when he tried to fix her teeth. His desire to remain behind may stem from a need to make a better name for himself among young wizards who might have considered him something of a failure. Hmm. Huh. I like that. That's interesting. Kind of, yeah, I haven't thought of that. Considering the life of a ghost and being like, I love how it says, like, if your partner in life doesn't, you know, chooses not mm-hmm. to stay behind that it's an extremely lonely existence um yeah it's possible he wanted to like redeem himself and wanted to so much that it overwhelmed his other emotions yeah that's interesting although seemingly he's very proud of um his nearly headless stature even though he makes him mad i feel like in some way he's kind of proud of that yeah you know they never took the full thing that's right (laughs) That's right, exactly. I I think Rose Lumos's comment is interesting as well. Um, that part of the fear comes from having never experienced, or ha- not experiencing, right. but having... Well, he's never, like, made his peace. He's never made his peace with death. If you don't... Yeah. If you haven't witnessed the death of a, you know, family member or close friend. Do we know that he hasn't witnessed the death of a close friend or family member? No, I don't think I don't know think that. We do. oh, it's, but it's like a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you've never been through the grieving process or you know witnessed somebody close to you and, and realized that it's all part of life's process, you would grow to fear it. I think. Do we know how old Nick was when he died? Oh, I'm sure we do. I'm sure somebody's figured it's it out. Probably on Pottermore somewhere. I don't know. He looks. I mean, he looks older, but that's well, he's just he's John. Cast older. I was going to say this is just John yeah. Cleese. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who knows? I suppose. I, you know, and it's funny because Rose Lomos's comment, I, um, just a little personal story, have, have had a few, you know, close people in my life die, but I still toil with if I were a wizard, would I come back as a ghost or not? Um, and there's a lot of reasons behind that, but her, you know, I, I can't say that her comment is 100% valid because just because you experience the death of somebody doesn't mean that you still aren't, you know, a little nervous about the whole process. No, right. well, I think the yeah. books make that clear that if you're not, if you don't have a, some fear of death, that you're a fool. Um, yeah. You have, there, there's a healthy amount of fear involved with when facing death, which right. Harry will, of course, have to have um, at the, in the final book. If it, mm-hmm. listeners, if you haven't ever read this particular book too, which um, if you enjoy Harry Potter, you definitely should read this. Um, Read Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt. Um, that has informed my views on whether I would want to live forever or not in kind of a half-life. Um, very fascinating concepts in that story that tie in really well to Harry Potter. Good recommendation. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So moving on to the second part of the question, um, where we're talking about Sirius, the second part of Rose Lumos's comment is... Um, when we put Sirius into this situation, we can see why he would have moved on. He had lost so many people he knew that moving on would bring him closer to them. Besides, I think that Sirius has lived quite a sad adult life. He has either been a prisoner in Azkaban or a prison- prisoner in his house since he was a young man. He hasn't had real freedom in 14 years. The idea of Sirius coming back to be a prisoner of life would not be appealing to him. Sure, he could have spent time with Harry and Remus, but in the whole history of life, that time he spent with them would only seem like a moment. The idea of being stuck in life long after everyone has passed on would probably seem like torture to him. I think that's a very 
very interesting idea that Sirius would see this as being a prisoner. Yeah. For longer. I, it's, I think it's totally valid. Completely. Yeah. I love, I love her, uh, or sorry, Rosalma's classifying him as a prisoner, like both in, in his, in his own house. Mm -hmm. And of course he's the prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really cool. That's, that fits so well. Props. Mad apropos. Um, kind of adding on to that again, um, is Icy Thestrals again, um, who says in the case of Sirius, I do believe he would want to stay behind for Harry if he had, if he made such a choice, but also for himself as well. His life was cut short when he was sentenced to Azkaban, and once he escaped, he was still forced to live like a prisoner with no freedom. As a ghost, I think Sirius would have felt freer than he had in his current life, believing he could, in a sense, relive his life for the better, even though life as a ghost could become a kind of prison. Depending on when a wizard must make an imprint, <clears throat> if they must do so before they die or if it occurs somewhere afterwards, Sirius might have been caught in the moment of wanting to participate in the war if it's the latter. Knowing the trouble ahead, he would want to be there to help stop it, as he tried to do for the Order. Like nearly headless Nick, he wants to be of help. For much of his early life, he was considered worthless by his own family, and since gaining a family of his own in Harry and Lupin, he would want to fight along them, with them and help in any way he could. So kind of two different ideas. Does Would being a ghost make Sirius a prisoner, or would it make him more free? Both. <laughs> no, no, like I do. I, I, I think both theories are completely valid. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, I think the prisoner theory suits Sirius more, but I do think that he would have a happy time as a ghost for a while. Not forever. Mm, that's true. But for a while. You know, I could see it as him, I could see him being fairly happy with it, that, that decision for, I don't know, a hundred years. And then Harry dies and who's he have left? Yeah. You know? I'm trying to think, are ghosts like... Ghosts do seem to have limited freedom in terms of the places that they can haunt. I believe that's regulated. Um, um, is it? We get that from we get it from Moaning Myrtle, at least when she mentions that the Ministry forces her to remain at Hogwarts after she tries and haunts. Um, Olive Hornby. Yeah, yeah, for the rest of her life, and so the Ministry has seems to have some sort of control over where ghosts can be i think that yeah so, i think that's a big, like more if they become a nuisance to a particular individual though yeah but but like really do you think that you like ghosts like being a ghost with the, like i lived never being able to travel the world i'm now a ghost so i want to go travel the world like you you really can't uh by the evidence in the books learn a whole lot or like you don't have the same human desires once you're a ghost, yeah. necessarily. You have, you have some, and it's kind of like ghosts and portraits are often compared in discussion in terms of like who is what. And I know that's all been answered now by J.K. Rowling, but ghosts to me have always seemed like like your essential character traits are probably still there, but you don't have the same drives that that humans do to like see the world. Um, you you kind of you're kind of limited in my opinion to you know the reason why you'd stayed behind and you're limited to do that it's like i want to be stay behind so i can haunt somebody that'll always be you you'll be miserable trying to inflict misery on others and i don't know what nick's reason was for staying behind but serious uh i i i think it would be he would be tr he would be limited to where to a small like if he's just trying to see Harry through, which I think is the most likely reason he would stay behind as well. Um, that would be 
kind of his mission. He would probably like stay at Grimald Place, and that would be he would always be there to offer advice or whatever. Uh, I hope he wouldn't plans. pick Grimald Place. Ugh. No, that'd be awful. Yeah. Well, they dusted it out, right? They kind of. But uh, anyway, talking about series, there's something I want to bring up too, which is that um, I feel like maybe the fact that he was passed uh, corporeally, like through the veil or whatever, his body disappeared, may have arrested the process of becoming a ghost, and maybe he couldn't even if he wanted to. Oh, that's possible. Like it's not a typical way of dying. Like we figured out, like not everybody, like when they die, they don't go through this specific veil. And he he seemed to have gone through it. It's debatable. Do, Michael, do you remember this? Did, did, was he he was hit with a uh, a curse? But was it not the death curse? Mm. Or was it the death See, curse? this is something was that there a group- this is things. This is a thing that fans are still unclear on. Um, mm. because the way it's written is that Bellatrix shoots a red curse first at Sirius, and that's the one that misses, and he laughs. And then the narration says that she shoots another curse at him, and people thought that from that, the text implies that she shoots another red curse at him, which is like a stunning spell or something like that, and that the fall through the veil killed him. But I believe, especially after Deathly Hallows and what happens to Bellatrix... In that book, I believe she did actually kill him. Um, I'm pretty sure she shot a killing curse at him. It does not say it's a green curse, but with it does not say green. No, okay. it does not say green textually. Okay, interesting. So yeah, I, I question whether or not Sirius was, I guess, trapped and like, or like, unable to to be, um, unable to become a ghost because he might not have died from quote unquote conventional manners. Yeah. Manners, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. All right. Well, thank you for answering our podcast question of the week. Our last one for Order of the Phoenix. Aww. Aww. <laughs> yay. All right. <laughs> Shush. Shush. No yays. No yays allowed. Well, my punishment is that I have been assigned to book rap. <laughs> <laughs> you love doing I thought you liked doing I do book like rap. book rap. I do like book rap, actually. I'm a bit more, uh, I'm, I'm a bit more suited for movie discussion, but book rap is fun because it is fun to actually go back and reflect on some of the things we were thinking all the way back when Order of the Phoenix was on its way and when it was released. Um, so here we go with the book wrap, the official book wrap of Harry Potter and the Order of the Ooh. Phoenix. And what we always like Ooh. to do, <laughs> what we always like to do first to start off is take a look at the dedication, um, which we usually look at the at, at the beginning of the book and we also like to look at, at the end and kind of see if anything about the book itself kind of further informs this dedication. And it's a very simple one, actually, compared to some of Rowling's previous ones that we've seen. It simply says, To Neil, Jessica, and David, who make my world magical. Oh. And it's... Boo. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, it's just, I I, I like the ones that are more, like, mystical and that we had to figure out. This one's easy. Well, exactly. The, the, probably the big, um, major... Probably the highlight of this particular one is um, David, um, out of those three names. David was Rowling's brand new baby son, who was um, she was pregnant with during the writing of Order, and uh, who she had right before Order was released. Um, so that was kind of a big deal for her, and um, would mm-hmm. lead to, would affect the um, some of the future Harry Potter stuff. But I think that that's a very kind of, uh, I, I think that's definitely a new mother dedication, right? 
Yes, it is. <laughs> Very much. Very I much. think it's sweet. That's not to say that it's bad. Come on. I love this. This is peaceful. This is <laughs> yeah. simple. This is blissfully simple. I'm glad there's not another puzzle to figure out. <laughs> I like puzzles. <laughs> Ravenclaw. It fits with this book, doesn't it? Because this book is talking about Harry and Harry's relationships. And so she dedicates it to the most important people in her life as she kills off one of the most important people in Harry's life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I still have a whole family, unlike my characters. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so it's a bit of sl- so the dedication is a is a motherly dedication that is also a slap in the face to her fictional characters. Um, <laughs> is the conclusion probably there. not intended? Not much. <laughs> not much to to take apart there it's definitely a reflection of where rolling was at at the time so after the dedication we also like to take a look at the uh particular summaries uh that we get from both the uh u.s and uk editions because the summaries are very informative i think about how the different countries anticipated the books um because we were given Mm -hmm. different bits of information and the u.s ones as per usual are much longer (laughs) Um, and this one, um, begins with, there is a door at the end of a silent corridor and it's haunting Harry Potter's dreams. Why else would he be waking in the middle of the night, screaming in terror? Here are just a few things on Harry's mind. And then we got, actually, I think this is the first time we got bullet points, um, of things that that were in (laughs) Harry's ear. A defense against the dark arts teacher with a personality like poisoned honey, a venomous disgruntled house elf. Ron is keeper of the Gryffindor Quidditch team, the looming terror at the end of term ordinary wizarding level exams, and of course, the growing threat of he who must not be named. In the richest installment yet of J.K. Rowling's seven-part story, Harry is faced with the unreliability of the very government of the magical world and the impotence of the authorities at Hogwarts. Despite this, or perhaps because of it, he finds depth and strength in his friends, beyond what even he knew, boundless loyalty and unbearable sacrifice. Though thick runs the plot, as well as the spine, readers will race through these pages and leave Hogwarts, like Harry, wishing only for the next train back. Oh, Scholastic, you did such great summaries. (laughs) (laughs) There's no mention whatsoever. There's no mention whatsoever of Sirius... Or really, it doesn't necessarily give you a... I mean... Let's talk about what's left out, because they do bullet points. So Mm -hmm. the four bullet points that are in the book, are they the... Like, if you were to break this book down, having read it now again recently, into four or five bullet points, would these be the ones? Would Ron, becoming Keeper of the Gryffindor Quidditch team, have made your four-point bullet list? No. Not if I mean, that's a, um, I mean this summary isn't like this summary. I feel is like what a good trail, a good movie trailer should be. It's not giving away <laughs> all of the major points. Yeah, it's yeah. giving you a yeah. good, and especially because I think Scholastic Scholastic was very, um, very shrewd in their marketing tactics with Harry Potter. It this this kind of marketing for a children's book was unseen at this point, um, until Harry Potter. You know, and I remember getting. This this summary, even some of like one of the chapters mm-hmm. uh, before the book was released, mm-hmm. the first sentence. Uh, the, sorry, yeah, the excerpt. That the, was... well, the excerpt where he's in the uh, bushes, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. he's in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting it before it came out, and it really heightened the excitement. So I was in third grade 
when this um, book came out. And Mm -hmm. it was the first book I remember waiting for. I don't remember waiting for Goblet of Fire, but I remember reading that this and reading the first part of that first sentence. Um, And I I cut out the little article that had the first sentence in it and I had it pinned to my bulletin board (laughs) for months and months and months. I may even have that article still, but yeah, it was, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because we had to wait so long. Yeah, this was, yeah, once to get this summary was, and again, the reason I say too, that it was a, so such shrewd marketing on Scholastic's part is to recall back, they were the ones who decided to rename uh, the first book because they mm-hmm. were aware of the perception for American readers. And I think mm-hmm. very much this summary is very aware that, that, kids reading this book were going to have a hard time with this book compared to the other Harry Potter books. Because this really hypes up the suspense and action of Order of the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a... There's a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Quidditch. There's going to be more Quidditch. There's horrible, there's testing, and there's and there's unreliable government. <laughs> and it's exciting. Kids, read this exciting book. And then it ta- it's going to take a while. Like, this book yeah. is it, going to take a while to reach that point. And I think Scholastic was just very aware of that and said, okay, let's get them hyped so that as they coast through these first chapters, that they know that something really great is coming, is on its way. And I, I think it's nice too. It, it it harks back to things we know about. We know about Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers. Yes. We, we know, know about house elves. We know about house elves. We know Ron wants to play Quidditch. We know that OWLs are coming up. We know Voldemort's back. We we know these things from the last book. So it, it's kind of tying all of these things yeah. back so that readers will be more excited that these questions will be answered and these things will keep going that they know. I do remember when I first read it, my heart absolutely broke when I read the line, a defense against the dark arts teacher with a personality like poisoned honey. And I was like, no, I want another good one. That was so disappointing to read. And then I was especially surprised. I remember when I read it and then, and it ended up being a woman and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that that I was surprised by that as well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. You know what this summary? Sorry, Eric. Doesn't this summary at all doesn't read to any of the really emotional turmoil? Yeah, that happens in this book. Mm-hmm. Harry has a crappy year. There are times when he wants to rip his <laughs> friends' heads off. <laughs> Lots of yelling, crying. He's yeah, no. Yeah, yeah well, but, and it, uh, I think it, it. I think it heightens those kinds of emotions by like unbearable sacrifice, boundless loyalty. A screaming in terror, like they yeah. really just injected the those things that really aren't quite that with just a bit of oomph. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely there's definitely quite a buildup in this in this summary, but it was a summary that was very much talked about. I think unlike any other Harry Potter book summary up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, over in the UK, what they got <laughs> was. Harry Potter is due to start his fifth year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. His best friends, Ron and Hermione, have been very secretive all summer, and he is desperate to get back to school and find out what has been going on. However, what Harry discovers is far more devastating than he could ever have expected. <laughs> That's so lame. You're welcome. So I, would you this book. <laughs> I would not read this book if I picked this up. So they got the first chapter and through the veil, basically. <laughs> in this description. 
<laughs> it's yeah, and and the the um the hardcover that I've got here, um, because I do have the British hardcover. It says it it kind of a, the the little bit on that that's expanded is uh, because the last line is a bit different. It says, however, what Harry is about to discover in his new year at Hogwarts will turn his world upside down. And then it says, this is a gripping and electrifying new novel full of suspense, secrets, and, of course, magic from the incomparable J.K. Rowling. And that's it. Ooh, incomparable. Incomparable. That's true. <laughs> so, and yeah, that's pretty much all they got was, guess what? Harry's going back to school and there's secrets to be discovered. <laughs> is it possible? I know, I know Rosie's not on to answer to this, but is it not possible that those two uh, posts are like, the equivalent of each other just for british readers who are like so much more astute and so much more ready like like the words used in that may seem bland and unexciting to us but then the british are just like ooh devastating <laughs> ooh secretive desperate to get back to school that's exciting it's I, so downton abbey you know as, as much as we no laugh idea. at that i would be interested i know we have quite a few listeners in the uk and europe Mm-hmm. The European and UK listeners, please let us know what you thought of this summary, because it is interesting to know, because again, just as much as Scholastic was very shrewd and on it with their marketing, I'm sure Bloomsbury kind of knew it was on their hands um, and knew their audience. I know that Bloomsbury, of course, was not quite as at the same, you know, renowned publishing level as Scholastic, of course, um, but they still, they've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, the U.S. uses phrases like "looming terror," you know, and and, and unbearable sacrifice, and that those are like buzz phrases. That, yeah, you know, hook us. The U.K. seems a little lacking in that. Mm-hmm. Well, into I mean, I think we've said this before: is that Americans need that stuff to get excited. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. Brits re- really don't because well, yeah. Americans are stupid. Well, there's there's <laughs> absolutely nothing. There's nothing deceptive about this summary. Um, no. Like we, like we were saying, like the way that, like you said, Kat, how there's no, like, rather than just put the kind of emotional turmoil in the U.S. summary, they've just injected it with hormones um, versus here in the U.K. version. They're like, oh, there's, like Eric said, devastating secrets. Um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the extent of it. So scandalous, scandalous secrets yeah. at school. Who would have heard? Who would have thought? Interception. I just want to say we're not making fun of them at all. No, not not at all. <laughs> we're really making more fun of ourselves, UK listeners, because as we pointed out in the past, Scholastic was just was very aware that American children readers were kind of derpy. And <laughs> needed a lot wow. of encouragement to read these books. <laughs> There's a word from the 2010s. <laughs> um, so a little history about uh, Order of the Phoenix. We wanted to start off by talking a little bit about what Rowling was up to and her state of mind at the time. Um, Rowling has stated, looking back on Order of the Phoenix, that she would go back and edit down the book further if she was able to, saying that it was too long. Uh, Rowling, as we know, planned to kill Arthur Weasley, uh, but uh, decided to give him a reprieve uh, because she just couldn't bring herself to do it. And of course, as as we know, somebody else died in his place, <laughs> but we'll get there later. Um, Potter fans waited three years 
between the releases of the fourth and fifth books. There were actually a few reasons for that. Um, she was making babies. Sorry. Yeah. Well. <laughs> wow. One. Wow. <laughs> David okay. was. On, yes. David was on his way. But two. Um, and she had said this. She had. She has said this in interviews. Um, around the end of Goblet of Fire, she was actually in her mind hoping that there was a way that she could break her arm so that she wouldn't have to write because she was yeah. at such she was such at, at such a burnt out point um mm-hmm. and that burnt out nature stayed with her through order of the phoenix and she was also dealing with the Nancy Stouffer trial Nancy Stouffer was a woman who brought up a case against Rowling that she had plagiarized her work um Nice try. Yeah. What happened in the end, of course, was that Miss Stouffer falsified most of her documents. Um, She she attempted to say that Rowling had... She was very upset about the word muggle, which she claimed she had created. Um, And she tried to pull some similarities between her books and Rowling's. But again, it it all ended up being falsified. And of course, Rowling had not only herself, but Scholastic and Warner Brothers on her side to back her up. Um, but mm. the trial took so much out of Rowling and distracted her so much that she stopped writing, uh, stopped work on Order of the Phoenix for a long time. But, um, the book was finally finished, and as the series was already a global phenomenon, the book forged unheard of pre-order records, with thousands of people lining up outside bookstores on the night of June 20th, 2003, to secure their copy at midnight. I'm sure we were all those people i know i was regardless about how i feel about the book as a whole like this release party standing in line waiting for this that's what like it's like it was one of the five nights i would go back to in a time machine because it was just so much fun it was one thing after another just unbarreled fun where were you eric Oak Park, Illinois, actually, where I am now. Oh! <laughs> um, uh, like, a couple blocks away. It was that formative an experience that I had to hang around the corner from where it happened. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I was in Oak Park, and it was the first MuggleNet book party that mm. that we had done. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were two. One was in Illinois with, um, I was with, like, pretty much all of Emerson's family. Mm-hmm. And then Emerson was in London with Jamie. <laughs> and they were at... Uh, Waterstones handing out um, MuggleNet stickers at their release party. Oh, wow. And Kat, yeah. where were you? Um, I was on Martha's Vineyard with a friend. Um, got the book. Um, and Carly Simon was there, so that was exciting. Oh, cool. Dogs. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah, there was like seven people at the bookstore, so not a super big celebration, but it was fun. So that was good. Did the dogs get their copies of the book? Um, they did, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did. Yep, they each walked away with it. Allison, in their tiny little mouths. Did you have to wait till the next day? Um, actually, so this is the first one I waited for. I had to wait a few months because my mom <gasps> bought the book. Whoa. I'm the youngest of four, and we've all read them, but I was obsessed. And I had to wait a few months because my mom bought the book and didn't tell me she bought the book. And she hid it from me so she and my siblings <gasps> could read it before it became permanently attached to my hands. And I actually found wow. out. Um, at school one day, I think my sister slipped up and said something and I like screamed and I was like, <laughs> why did you not tell me? And we had to go home and I had to have it right then. And I, it's one of my favorite memories from growing up was I would get up every morning really mm-hmm. early actually and 
my house would be quiet. I would go get the book. I would sit in our living room. The sun would be coming up behind us, behind me. And I would sit and I would read it. And I read it like three times in a row or something like that. Oh, that's a really nice memory, actually. Yeah, it was it was a good one. But I was so angry. <laughs> Understandable mom. months. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So your emotions matched Harry's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, for... Myself, I went to a um, small independent bookstore for the release here in Yay. Albuquerque. It's still the bookstore still exists. Uh, it's called Bookworks, and um, it was I was there with a few friends. I was I think that was my very first Remus Lupin costume. Yes, it was my very first. Did you have the nose? No, that was that yeah. costume was very different. I had like a black, really thick my dad's bathrobe. And a green, <laughs> like, formal shirt on and slacks and brown shoes. And then I had drawn scars on my face with a Sharpie. Oh. <laughs> and I, I didn't have time to sew patches on, so I literally cut squares of color out and just taped them to my robes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I printed out a list of spells on, a, on like, a p- piece of paper, and I crumpled it up <laughs> to make it look ancient and old. And that was my oh. Lupin costume. Yeah, I was pretty, That's it was pretty awesome. hardcore. But yeah, is we, there a photo of that somewhere? Yeah, there please? is. I will. I, okay. I will pull photos for you of these of this costume. Yeah, and we yeah, yeah we, that needs to be a thing. We, <laughs> we hung out at the store, and it was really exciting. It was just so cramped. The store was Bookworks is a lovely little store, but they they had all these activities that were. It was funny because they one of the activities they had was um they hid um kind of those little like Ferrero Rocher chocolate balls around the store <laughs> like they were snitches, and you had to go find all the snitches. But what was so oh, funny man. about it was that there were like amongst the large crowd of Potter fans, there were like 20 regular shoppers who were like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were barging Whoops. by them looking for chocolate and, and there was a real owl and everything. Yeah, it was, Ooh. it was pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, so that was my order of the Phoenix, um, experience. And then, uh, but, uh, despite now the, the big thing with order of the Phoenix, of course, um, just as with Goblet of Fire, was there was a huge, but Order of the Phoenix on a much larger level, there was a huge um, security contingent around this book. Um, right. As Cheryl Klein has dis- has discussed with us in, in, in when she guessed, uh, guessed it on the show, um, there were some major things that she had to do to get the book over here. Um, she, I, I don't know if it was for this one in particular, but I think she did that for Deathly Hallows. But there were there was some work from for these books where they they were they, very specific people could only have the script, um, and it was uh, it was insane. But and it, there was a lot of reports yeah. on this. But what act, what ended up happening happening despite this, um, thousands of copies were still stolen from Earl's Town, uh, Maryside, a, a warehouse on um, June fifteenth. 2003 so there was a bit of an early leak this was like five days before the book came out that was my 21st birthday (laughs) 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 no joke that's my 21st birthday marked marked up with a horrible occasion but it's okay i'm not i'm not saying you know that i was involved well (laughs) (laughs) cat was really good to herself that year for for her birthday, she gave herself a thousand copies of the book. <laughs> well, and luckily, despite this, because I think I think the um, the one the the, the uh, breach that was much more egregious, and we will see that with the next book was uh, the results of Half Blood Prince and people flipping to the back of the book, and yet, as you'll see, if you look up oh, on YouTube, yes. you'll find plenty of horrible videos of people spoiling <laughs> Half Blood Prince for people. 
Um, and uh, this didn't quite happen with order. Uh, consider that 2003, the internet was a little different, listeners. Um, and it was not quite as easy to spread information so quickly. Um, I still had it spoiled. Ah, uh, yeah, it was still possible <laughs> oh. if you weren't careful. Um, but of course, I didn't. None of my other friends read the book, so mm-hmm. except the one that I was with, and we were like sequestered ourselves, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were um, okay. Astonishingly, five million copies were sold in the first twenty-four hours um, that the book went on sale, wow. um, breaking records as it always did. Rowling, for her part, uh, was at the uh, Royal Albert Hall um, doing a Q and A and live reading with Stephen Fry that night um and which i'm i'm very lucky to have a video copy of the it was uh actually shipped out to uh bookstores the next year for half blood prince's release on cd um and rolling does an absolutely amazing reading of the scene where harry is uh getting career advice from mcgonagall and umbridge is in the background um her umbridge voice is astonishing um by the way listeners is this on youtube i looked it up on youtube and i couldn't find it Dang it. Um, damn yeah so i like i said that thing just kind of fell into my hands um but uh yeah it's, a, it's sharing is caring michael <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to get in trouble but uh but yeah so that was what she was up to and she answered a lot of questions from from fans her her audience was full of thousands and thousands of young british school children um as she said in the um interview with stephen fry it was quite a marked difference from Sorcerer's Stone when she was going to stores and reading to about two people. Um, mm. So uh, she and she was asked a lot of questions about um, major theories in the in the books. The biggest one she was asked the biggest one she was asked about were about Snape, and she wouldn't answer any of them. Oh. <laughs> she kept saying, "You have to wait." Uh, and with that in mind, there were some very interesting theories that popped up after Order of the Phoenix. Um, and Kat, I know the the big one that you were wanting to discuss is the one surrounding the neither can live while the other survives line from the prophecy. Yeah, it's this awesome theory about um, the, the two lines where one must die at the hand of the other and neither can live while the other survives. So there is this big theory about whoever dies or whoever kills the other one. Wait, whichever one lives after one of them dies, because we always assumed that one of them would die. Mm-hmm. We didn't know who, of course. The person who lived would then be immortal, because they they can only die at the hand of the other one. Right, because if you were to take Harry and Voldemort and look at them, you'd be like, oh, they're alive now. But then there's this line that says, neither can live while the other survives. So it's like, what does it mean to really live? Right. <laughs> right, that's Which, what it is. It, I think it's a, you know, we don't know that Harry's not immortal. He I don't know. Be. I no, I know that, but I'm saying it's still it's still it's something that still could be valid and talked about and discussed, and I just think that's great. I think it's a great theory. There was with this prophecy, the, the prophecy itself is so well worded. Like there are other interpretations too of even those same lines. Um, neither can live while the other survives. It's like there's a third party. There's this other. Uh, mm. you know, oh. either, either must die at the hand of the other <laughs> while the others while the other survives is like talking about somebody who's not Harry or Voldemort it's Neville is it lost? Um, it's Neville <laughs> it's, you know, this, <laughs> the island it's the island uh, it's the island and, <laughs> oh gosh uh, yeah it's, it's so there's so many um, 
I will say there is a, a certain depth in the mythology, a depth in the story that this book had that allowed for these types of theories to form finally. Because it's like, oh, you get this prophecy that really is behind everything to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like this, this explains or is supposed to explain somewhere within its words exactly why Harry wasn't just killed mm-hmm. uh, by Voldemort all those years ago. And why Voldemort was, in fact, stopped at that point. It's something that's, like, so big, such a big deal that it really sparked a lot of very interesting theories. So in addition to that theory that ran around, of course, everybody's eyes immediately targeted to the ever-popular Mark Evans Uh, And my goodness, was Mark Evans quite the thing. Mark Evans stayed around for quite a while until I believe Melissa Nelly finally shattered that with an interview with Rowling. And Rowling said, I am so sorry. (laughs) That was just. We talked about that during that that chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. It's just like, just just how, how J.K. Rowling, even on her website, like, time and time again had to keep dispelling the rumor like i wish i had never written this i would have changed his name it's stu- it snuck past me she should just, change it for future editions she should have still just think had she's it lying changed. people still think that there oh was gosh. totally another mark evans so like a thing behind him yes and that that quite through through the fandom into quite a turmoil um, for a while until that was confirmed about what the what the real meaning of that was which was of course nothing at all. Well, you know what? You know what's <laughs> funny about that though. Now that I think about the latest batch of Pottermore stuff that was released, mm-hmm. is um, the fact that the the rail view inn that they go to is in Cokeworth, yeah. where Lily grew, where Lily <laughs> Evans grew up, <laughs> and Snape, oh, and like it. So in the first book, she has them going to this the like, Petunia's hometown, basically, mm-hmm. um, to escape the letters, mm-hmm. and uh, it, so the idea of having like relations nearby you or whatever. Um, appealed to the Dursleys. Yet there's this Mark Evans who has the same surname, and he's like just a block away from where Harry is currently living. But oh no, that's just that that can't be the case. <laughs> that's crazy. It sounds like that's... you're on that team of people who doesn't quite believe. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> um, and in the world of the fandom. Thanks to this book, and I actually talked about this on the final live audio fiction show, which, listeners, you should go watch on YouTube. It's up there if you haven't seen it yet. Um, But uh, there was an absolute explosion of Harry Potter fan fiction, especially with the Marauder genre, thanks to that one scene we got that was a flashback. (laughs) <laughs> um, MuggleNet's uh, own fanfiction site would start in the next year, in 2004, and would be absolutely deluged in Marauder's fanfiction, which it still mm. is. Um, so that was a major turning point in the fandom. I think this book uh, really set that off because this was the first kind of definitive exploration of that generation. We actually got to see them in action. And that's mm-hmm. and that's when the internet really kind of exploded yes. too. Because yeah. yes. that that was my uh, my last year of college, and I remember that you know they had internet cafes back then, so you could go in and like rent some time on the AOL, like all those weird noises that it used to make. And um, like I'd be like, "Mom, I have to check my email, okay?" And it was like 
two little emails from nobody. They were like spam. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I remember this time very fondly since I was older. Well, yes, I remember. I remember a time before the internet, and I, I remember <laughs> how much it changed when the internet really exploded. And in this uh, same year, <laughs> we're going to say something that some of you may not even understand the significance of, of and that word is MySpace. Oh yep. gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Whose face? <Huh>? My yeah. <laughs> who? <laughs> Your space? <laughs> um, MySpace, of course, was uh, was was the came along as the pre-Facebook, um, but very different from Facebook. And it, and the, the way that things were shared um, was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and uh, so that did allow for a lot of Harry Potter-related things to be shared on that, on the social media platform, which was the, kind of the first time that was happening. Um, they tried to make a comeback and failed. Yeah, no. Bye-bye, MySpace. Sorry, MySpace. You're done, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I had a MySpace. I gotta see if that's still around. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace, uh, MySpace at least has Justin Timberlake, so there you go. Um, but uh, the other big thing was that one year later we would also get, um, in the interim between Order and Half Blood, we would also get Rowling's official website, the oh, Pre Pottermore. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. And so good, you guys. If you if you weren't around, get yourself to the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine. Oh my gosh! And go it's back brilliant. to this amazing website that existed, where you would uh, the homepage was a facsimile of Rolling's desk, um, scattered with gum wrappers and and papers and coffee stains, and you would click on all the different things to go to different sections. And one some of those sections had were dark mark. Um, marks like Pottermore has now, um, which you <laughs> which you had to click to see all of the amazing information. Cat <laughs> oh. misses those days. The door, the door it was, was the greatest too. thing. Why did she have to get thing. rid of it, guys? How many hours did we all sit just standing, staring at the door? So oh, yeah. so good, but she couldn't. Couldn't she have just like done like jkrowling.com slash Harry Potter and like kept it? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, come on, yes, listen, listeners. We can guarantee you that what you see on Rolling site now is not remotely close no. to what was there before. No. Um, and there were there were secrets even in the little radio that you could tune. Yep. It was a cell phone. It was astonishing. If you go to MuggleNet, I believe we still have the page up with all of the old. Do, we might still have that page somewhere. We do. With all the old oh, secrets. Yeah, yep. yep, it's all there. All the all the information is there. So, so and there's an image of it and everything. And yeah. I used it and I looked up everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to also, also worthy of note, Harry Potter was just exploding in um, pop culture as well. And I just had to share one of my favorite personal commentaries on the harry potter hysteria um listeners if you've never watched it and interestingly this came out before order of the phoenix and it was kind of a commentary on the release times between goblet and order but there is an episode of uh the the animated children's show arthur um it's called prunella's special edition and it's where the character of prunella gets a uh, is there's she's a very big fan of their version of Harry Potter, which is called Henry Screever, and she <laughs> she buys she buys a copy of the book from the UK, but it ends up coming the next day and it's a Braille copy and she can't read it. And, <laughs> I do not and, remember this. 
and everybody else has a copy and they're reading like crazy and she can't get the book anywhere. Um, and there were, there were such, it was such a great parody. Mr. Ratburn flies in on a car and he's like, Mr. Morris, the mangling maple needs trimming. It was, it was just, (laughs) (laughs) it was absolutely genius. And this was where that, this era was where that was starting, where a lot of children's shows and, um, TV shows were picking up Harry Potter parodies, um, and doing kind of full fledged stuff. So Harry Potter Mm -hmm. was just, Absolutely at its height. People were so happy to welcome it back after a three-year hiatus. Um, with How old were you guys in 2003? 15. Uh, 10? 9? Oh, God. How old was okay. I? I was, Just checking. I need a calculator because I'm a fine art <laughs> student. <laughs> I don't do the maths. Let's, let's see. Carry the one. <laughs> I was 14. <laughs> Okay. Wow, so. I feel like a baby. Yeah, <laughs> you are. I know. <laughs> uh, babies are cute. Notably, as oh. well, rolling the uh, Order of the Phoenix uh, won as usual tons of awards: the Fiction Prize at W. H. Smith People's Choice Book Awards 2004, the American Library Association's Notable Book, the American Library Association's Best Books for Young Adults, Book List Editor's Chop uh, Choice of 2000, 2003. Book list top 10 fantasy titles for youth. Best children's books of tw- uh, 2003 awards. Oppenheim Toy Portfolio 2004 gold medal. And New York State Children's Choice Award nominee. Um, these were just some of the many awards that were given to Order the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix was quite possibly the first book to meet with some tepid critical reception compared to the other books. Um, it, while it was still heavily praised by the critics... There were quite a few mentions that this one was a very different take on the series than before, and many of reviewers found that a positive, but a few found it a negative. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, in 2007, we would be receiving the Order of the Phoenix film release. At the time, we got uh, we were still waiting for the Prisoner of Azkaban film. We were, uh, we were, we were a year away. Yes, we were, actually. we were still waiting. There was, just as there was a gap Unfortunately for the fandom, which I think was the possibly one of the hardest things on all of us, was while we were waiting for the book, we were also waiting for the movies. Um, the one smart thing that happened between that time um, was that EA Games saw fit to release Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup to fill the gap. Thank God for that. Gosh, was that that <laughs> was that game that old? Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like my favorite game for PlayStation Two. Yeah, it was. That was it's an amazing fun. game. So yes, though at least we got Quidditch, uh, the Quidditch World Cup, which was very loosely based on Quidditch through the ages. Um, so we still had some gaming to do, at least in the interim. And I believe around that time we also got uh, the Harry Potter Lego Creators. There was a Lego Harry Potter game before Lego Harry Potter, you guys. <laughs> So we had we still had some things to keep us busy in the in the interim, but it was a quiet three years actually. For a was while. that when Fantastic Beasts and or was that earlier? Uh, Fantastic Beasts, I believe those were that was right. Was that after Goblet? Let's check. Yeah, ugh. I don't. What remember. was the question? Did she release those in the gap? Fantastic Beasts. I and feel Quidditch. like they were. I think you're right. They were released. Uh, I thought between three and four. Actually, oh five, no. Uh, let's see, school huh. books. Okay. Uh, Two thousand one. Oh, never mind. I don't know. She, yeah, I have that's no right idea. After book four, yeah, yeah, that's in the gap. Yep. So no, she... those those three years were incredibly fruitful. Even uh, 
without a book to read. Mm-hmm. The first two movies came out, which got me into the series, and uh, those um, companion books. Yeah, the came companion out, books the co- were great. Comic relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, really, just in general, the whole the whole I think the weight either directly contributed to or just happened to also feature the. Uh, so many more people getting into the books. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so, Rolling, despite all of your grievances that you have about this gap, we appreciate all the effort you went to to keep us in this fandom for those three interim years. So, yeah, it still worked out pretty good. They were a crucial three years. <laughs> yes. So that's the book wrap for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. But, uh, of course, we still have one little bit left before we yes. pack up Order we may have just done the wrap, but we haven't talked about the wrapping yet. Oh. <laughs> wrapping, I mean, oh. just the cover. Nice, <laughs> Very nice transition. That was beautiful. We're, we're going to talk you. about what these books are wrapped in. <laughs> 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 so let's talk about these book covers. We have in this document here that we're all viewing, we have a uh, really impressive collection of foreign uh, book covers for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The coolest thing about this is, listeners, you can view these along with us uh, while you're listening just by going to the Alohomora website, alohomora.mugglenet.com, and in the post for this episode, we will have a slider of each of these book covers, um, I assume with captions as to what uh, country they're from, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in the same order in which we discuss them. So let's start at the very beginning of the alphabet. It's a very... Good place to start with Albania. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because like, ah. isn't that where Voldemort spends a lot of time? Oh. Oh, yeah. Albania. Oh. You know what? Now that we talk about it, isn't that Voldemort in the upper right-hand corner is of it? the book? I was I wondering who that was. Is that supposed to be Voldemort? <laughs> it might it's, be. It's the sun. It's the golden sun. Looks like flying around with a face. What's uh, a, look at, Oh, you know what? It's got like a a ribbony thing coming out of it too. Sinewy kind yeah, of look. Like, what is that thing at the bottom right corner, you guys? I don't know. What is? That? It's an old man. What is that? Centaur. No, because it, it only has two legs, right? It looks like it's like Grop. that. We can see. What is? He's that? like holding a ribbon around, like he's <laughs> blindfolding himself. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It looks like a man. He's look. He's bearded. It, uh-huh. It's a humanoid feature. It looks like on the left side there's a partial one because we don't we can't see the full cover, of course. Like, oh yeah, mm. there's another one on the other side. Is yeah. it just like that? May be something that um, typically is like uh, an Albanian thing, where it's like these are like the weavers. There could be like two men who are like the weavers of stories that just appear on book covers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I have no I have no <laughs> idea. They're on every cover. <laughs> there's some really interesting stuff. Uh, on this front cover, actually. Harry, Harry looks very warm. Yes, it he does. It looks like he has hair. Like, Rapunzel's hair from Tangled is, like, wrapped around is, his Is neck. his scarf. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a scarf. Or it's uh, hair from the old man's legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that man is very hairy. <laughs> I mean, hairy. that could be a woman. I mean, there is a hint of a bosom Yeah, there's a there. little bit of breast there. Okay. But there's a, there's a beard, though. Yeah, there is oh, a beard. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. Maybe it's a dwarf. Maybe we're, mm. maybe this is Lord of the Rings. Maybe it's a dwarf woman. <laughs> yes, maybe. They have beards just like the men. Um, really interesting yeah. s- stuff, though. I, Voldemort has a body, though, at this point, so I, I guess maybe it's not Voldemort. Yeah. Maybe it's a dark upper. mark? Uh, yeah, it could be. Oh, there you um, go. Do we see the dark mark in this book? 
Only on only on the it, tattoos. I don't think they yeah, actually shoot it right. in the air. Is it? Uh, is it, well, we do. We are in agreement that the central most object, uh, besides the publishers, <laughs> little <bit, laughs> is, uh, is the phoenix. Yes, that, that is Fox, and it looks kind of like Fox is breathing out this man with this face. Oh yeah, yeah this, this oh, sun. Yeah, yeah it, well, and Fox is um, <laughs> notably completely pale white. Um, yeah, it's Dumbledore. You know oh, what? Yeah. It's probably just. It's probably just the like fire um anthropomorphized like you know like the yeah. the, pr- the presence of fire mm. ha- has turned into Harry Potter the Erdhe I Fenikist Fenikist I'm sure that's completely right. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> um I just now I want to take like an anthropology and history course to figure out like each of these cultures like what makes this art appear on yeah. each of right? the books. Yeah, I know. Like, this is absolutely like these covers, and you know we always kind of made a thing of uh, there were always a few posts on the about the different covers, or they always showed up like we had them in a book section, but there was very little context, and I'd love to see just more information about this because they were always weird to us, but. To them, they're just like, I mean, this is probably just as um, flashy and, uh, like, hypey as the American cover was to us. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. for some reason for them, this this attracts their eye and makes them want to read the book. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of it, as we, listeners, if you uh, make sure and listen to the show where we interviewed Kazu Kibuishi about the new American editions uh, paperback editions of Harry Potter because you, we get we had some great discussion about what goes into put, putting these covers together. Uh, it's it's quite a process in itself, almost as long and big of a process as writing the book. That was like forty episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because he joined us for the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, chat. he was here for the Goblet the of Fire rap. book wrap. Yeah. Well, let's move on to China, which I think is a really quite cool cover. Yeah, good job, China. This is a good cover. This is, this is nice good one. job, China. <laughs> um, China probably gets an award. I think uh, this, so what we're looking at is a Thestral. Oh, I thought it was Fox. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool Thestral. Like, actually, did they change the It's a scaly, yeah, right, like, wow, Phoenix is a really messed up in Asia. <laughs> 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 no, it's uh, it's very. I think it's definitely a Thestral. It looks like a dragon. Oh, I see a hoof. Yeah. Looks like a dragon. Yeah, it looks hoof. like if yeah. like, it looks like a dragon. It looks like Norbert. Of, but um, but uh, the Thestral is kind of looking down on the Hall of Prophecy, where Harry is with his wand doing Lumos, uh, lighted tip, and a hooded figure, uh, which could be Voldemort. It's probably Lucius Malfoy. Uh, <laughs> is a hooded a, figure. Is, yeah, hooded figure is waiting him, waiting for him on the other side of the uh, on the shelves, and this is very clearly like watercolor art, right? Like this is that's that's just the medium. It looks like that is the medium that was used, and it's really smooth and really like the color, the use of color on this cover is fascinating. You know what kind of gets me is that it's all buried under Hagrid's hut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's like the weird aesthetic choice here is that they like yeah. took a picture of Hagrid's hut from the movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, if you notice too, in the bottom right hand corner There's is like logo. the American HP, HP logo. Font. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then the only actual like English letters are JK on the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can't even read that. this Where's one. The oh, JK, are huge. Yeah. I mean. Um, you could try. No, Hagrid's no. hut. So the mystery is underneath Hagrid's hut. <laughs> What's underneath Hagrid's hut? <laughs> That's pretty cool. That you could like if you were 
not informed as to like what book this was or what series this was, you can make certain guesses as to like what the book would be about. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they have to go underground underneath the hill. What, and what's the Thestral coming out of? I think that's why I uh, thought chimney. it was Fox. Is it a pensive? Like, because it looks like there's a person standing in front of it. Could it be a cauldron? Could it be a... It could be a cauldron. Oh, that could be like Harry and Dumbledore looking into the pensive, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There's, there's kind uh-huh. of like a faded... Because I, I think there's like two bodies. If you look at what would be the first thing's body, it's like a green blob. And then... Uh, and I don't mean that offensively. <laughs> and then there's like another like greenish color. Uh, and they both appear to be attached to like heads. And fingers that are grasping the oh god really interesting stuff. I just for, I just for plugged people. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix into the Google Translator to see what it would be in Chinese. I'm so sorry, listeners. Halibo te yu fangguhang she sunsu. Okay, this has to be a thing that you do now. Every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> you you attempted it for Albania, and I thought that was very bold and very uh, incorrect. You know, exciting. <laughs> but uh, but uh, now it's a thing that you do. Yep. So you thank know, you, Michael. The guest on our very first episode, my best friend Hope, who's the one who actually got me into the Harry Potter novels, um, she speaks Mandarin, and so mm. I'll have to ask yes, her please, if she yeah. knows what this says. And mm-hmm. if that pronunciation is even remotely I'm, correct. Yeah. I'm so sorry, China. Uh, That's a lot of people to apologize to. <laughs> <laughs> that is. You're going to have to shake each and every one of their hands. Yep. <laughs> yeah, get on that. Good luck. Um, next country, of course, we go to Denmark. And Harry is stifling <laughs> laughter. What is he doing? He's got a cough. <laughs> I think the, he's giggling to himself, yeah. The Thestrals are also having a good time. Those are good Thestrals, um, though. They really Sharp are. teeth. Yeah. Terrifyingly sharp Overbite. teeth. What's in the back? Um, What's that? Glossed over eyes. That's the veil. Oh! Isn't it? Is, it? is that what that is? It kind of looks, looks like a stone... It looks like a deathy Phallus. Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say like... Uh, I wasn't going to say obelisk either, which is phallic. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like a stone slab covered in a curtain. That to me mm-hmm. is like a veil, but... Huh. That's... I really the, the I thing that is it Azkaban? Maybe it's Azkaban. I think it. I think it's the veil. That makes sense. I, it doesn't look. It looks like a stormtrooper helmet <laughs> <laughs> or, or Darth Vader's helmet. Darth like Vader's it's, it's helmet. not very veil veily looking. Um, is it? Is it a Death Eater? Is it one of the Death Eaters in there? Huh. Maybe. I I, I will say that like um, <laughs> despite like our interpretation of like yeah it looks like Harry's stifling laughter um, the colors used. Are very dark and very yeah. you know, cool. Yeah. Again, keeping with the American. I mean, not keeping with, but in addition to the American, um, you know, using the the color of blue to to um, show a certain coldness. Uh, these colors are not uh, warm and inviting, as perhaps previous covers had been. And but brown is a warm color. It's very earthy. Brown yeah. is earthy. I know we have listeners from Denmark, and I want Denmark. Listeners, please explain to us what you feel the symbolism is of Harry covering his mouth. Because to us, it looks like he has, like, he's either giggling or he has a cough. But, like... He could be whispering. That's what I was... Yeah, I was going to say. Is it, like, supposed to be representative of all the secrets in Order of the Phoenix? Like, is that the idea? Secrets will be revealed. Yeah. Mm. Harry Potter og Phonics Ordinen. It's probably, like... 
I'm not even going to pronounce it. Harry Potter. My dad and Omina. Harry Potter. Phonics Ordenin. That's by Gildenhall. By <laughs> Gildenhall. Jake Gyllenhaal. Really. Jake Gyllenhaal. Awesome. <laughs> um, let's move on to. Oh yes, let's Finland. please. I love these. Covers. Oh my gosh, this is probably one of my favorites. <laughs> They're so great. They're so good. Um, this is amazing. In particular, because, uh, in particular, Umbridge is probably this is like the. If you could see people like Shallow How, if you could see people how their personalities are, I feel like this would be It's the best umbrage. representation ever. To a yeah. T. She's described as toad-like, and this is actually a human toad <laughs> that we're that, seeing here. That, with a bow, with a nice bow that, uh, on That's her what's so interesting, I think, about the 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 Finnish covers is that they they do take things way more literally on their covers than we than any mm-hmm. of the other covers do. Well Harry mm-hmm. looks angsty. So they got that right. Harry yeah. does look a little upset, which is good. And uh, Ron, who I take to be Ron, is trying to suck a human being into his nose. <laughs> That's James. It's James. Who's Potter. trying to get rid of it? Oh, it's that. Yeah, that's oh. not Ron. It's not a ginger. Yeah, that's yeah. James. Oh, well, I just assume they. But that's clearly Hermione in front. Are so Ron serious? just gets the shaft. Is that is Hermione? It, is it? No, I, think I don't it's think a, that's I think it's Hermione. Serious. I think it's serious because look, they're holding the jam and pensive <laughs> in the corner there. So they're j- holding the pensive. Oh, okay, so it's it's serious with the, it's the Snape's worst memory where Snape is hanging upside down. Yes. Yeah, look yeah. at Snape and in the background. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh my he has the expression when the um, the Peanuts gang sings. Yes, they have yes. a giant O in their mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I didn't I didn't notice Umbridge has her hand on Harry's shoulder. Yeah. yeah, her claws, yeah, her slimy claws, her talons on Harry's shoulder. <laughs> uh, Michael, you want to try the title? Uh, Harry Potter John Phoenix in Kita. There you go. That's probably pretty accurate. It it looks like the the it must continue a bit too because you can see a bit of the wand. Yeah, that James um, is holding. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if I mean if it. Oh God, I wish we could find the full version of these covers. Full jackets. Yeah, the full jackets. I like that oh, Harry's wearing good. a beanie too. Yeah, it's super cute, right? <laughs> <laughs> to distinguish him Harry from James. <laughs> that's that's right. That's funny. Um, cute. Yeah. I just okay. like that the pensive says jamming. I mean, it says something. Jamming. It, look, it looks like J A M M I, and I just yeah. assume that there's an N G at the end. That's all. Jammies. Jammies. Oh, it could be jammies. That's true. Jammies. <laughs> uh, well, you know, an interesting change happens when we get to the cover for Germany. Oh, God. Which is that J K Rowling yeah. is now called Joanne K Rowling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. A- yeah. Very interesting. Was it like that on Goblet? I can't remember. Uh, Quite possibly. Um, I can look. Perhaps Germany, perhaps something about it dictated that she needed to use her first name or needed to use a female name to signify to the people that it was a female author. Something like that. Or maybe it would just be better received. Not sure. Looks like she will. Yep. Her full name is on on Goblet, too. Huh. Yeah, I mean, imagine it would be the same throughout the series, mm-hmm. but not th- like you know across country lines it changes. Yeah, interesting. Um, so uh, this is actually one of the most. I I, mean, I I like this cover a lot. 
Um, it's in the circular room. There's very little that's abstract. It's the circular room with the 12 or 13 doors. Um, Harry and his friends are all, what do we call them? The dream team are all, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of looking up ahead to a door that has opened. The Phoenix is casting a shadow. Which is it. so inaccurate. It's not even funny. Because you would not get that shadow from that light source. <laughs> you know, you definitely wouldn't. That's I don't know. True, it's a bright yeah. light. It's, it's, a bright... it's magic. But it's coming yeah, but in the look, wrong direction. Oh, yeah. Well, it's I'm absolutely... gonna say, Kat, you're, you're the photographer, so I'm going to say you're probably right. But but it's pretty, though, isn't it? It's, pre- it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty. I really um, appreciate Harry's one raised eyebrow. Yeah. He always looks that like that on the laugh. German covers, doesn't he? He's like sassy, <laughs> he like does. Harry cut out of a block of wood. <laughs> His hair looks less like worms on this one, though, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. it still looks if green. Covered... Yes, but... that's the tinge of the room, I think. Oh, okay. This is a good cover. I like. I really like the way that they, even though the lighting is wrong, as Kat's pointed out, I really like the perspective of the circular room. That's really cool. Yeah, me yeah. too. Harry Potter und der Orden des Phoenix. Yeah, there you go. That was very angry. <laughs> it was so angry. It was just like the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and... Interestingly, we get over to Italy. <gasps> it's the same. Oh my Italy. god! What are you up to? Italy's Italy. cover. <laughs> if this is correct, Italy's cover is very quite similar. It's almost the same image as Albania, and it's impossible to say which came first uh, because you know we just don't know. But Italy and Albania appear to share a similar cover, with the only difference being the wording uh, of the actual title is in a different language. Whoa, 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 wait. How close are they to each other? They're the same. Yeah, they're... No, no. I meant in the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what I was saying. They're the same. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Oh, it's only an hour flight. No. Oh. So I guess it makes sense that the covers are similar. Look, though, there's, like, um, writing on the... There's some, like, weird kind of almost transparent letters in the background on the on the frame, inside the frame. Of the, oh yeah. yeah, I don't think were those on the yeah those aren't on the on the Albanian edition. And what is that thing under the double T? Oh, that's the end of the. See, it looks less like it's coming out of the Phoenix, the little sun Voldy. Yeah, the Phoenix thing. has moved a little bit. That's weird. So they would have like access to like the different layers. They like took all the objects and pulled them apart slightly, and added like the smeary letters. I guess so. Huh. I know. Oh, but- I think the phoenix is in the same place. It's just the lettering. Oh no, you're takes right. Up the, yeah, takes up the you're gap. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's very it, interesting. It looks more like an Italian cover because, um, actually, no. Because if you look at the Goblet of Fire Italian cover, this this is the one that had the little mice on it in the first for the first one. Um, the style doesn't really fit with the other Italian covers, or maybe it does. Hmm. I can't decide. But they're in the same region of Europe, so that makes sense. Harry Potter, Elordin de la Fenice. Nice. My brother-in-law nice. speaks Italian. I know. Right. I feel like there's so many people I have to answer <laughs> to after this is over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Michael is digging his grave. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I think you're doing fine. Um, if I could guess, I'm glad I'm not you. Um, <laughs> Japan, Japan. Now, oh, I like this. One. Uh, I love ja- these covers. Japan has a really amazing. I would love to see the rest of what Japan has done, but this is a very cool shot of the silhouette of clearly Sirius um, wandering about London, 
or being sort of a lone wolf that, you know, in the background is either the advance guard who is coming to bring Harry to his house or, you know, and in the background there's Thestrals and stuff. I think so. it's everything because, look, like you have clearly people in the phone booth in the bottom right corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Serious. You have Grimald plays with the advance guard. You have Thestrals flying overhead mm-hmm. in the sky there. Um, so pretty. Yeah. It's gorgeous, right? And yeah. what is that next to the po- the light pole? Is that a, is that creature? Is that a house elf? Oh, Ooh. yeah, it must be. Looks like a little. Santa little house is that elf. is that is that? Oh yeah, that's the order standing at number twelve in the background, huh? Yeah. Oh, they're shadows. I just have to say, the sidewalk. When I first saw this, I thought it looked like Sirius was chained, like the dog was chained oh. too. Oh yeah. But mm. it's the sidewalk. Now that I look at it again, but I was going to be really excited about that symbolism. Yeah. That's it's really pretty. I've always really liked yeah. these Japanese covers. They're impossible to find, by the way. Mm. Um, I've looked for sets of the Japanese books, and it's impossible. Hmm. The the color palette is just... It's almost like... Because the, the, there's the blue from the American edition, but that splash of red and pink really just... The pink, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what get, pulls it over the top. That's beautiful. I really love the pink light coming out of the lamppost. It's gorgeous. Harry Potter to Fushicho no Kishidan. Good. <laughs> Impressive. Um, okay, now we talk about the Netherlands, uh, which has really cool shots of airborne Thestrals. That's, That's a great so angle. Flying into the setting sun, which is a great scene in the book, and I think it's captured pretty well. It's captured beautifully. It's very cinematic. These are yeah. always super realistic looking covers, um, mm-hmm. and I, I always appreciate that about these. Um, and there's, if I remember correctly, the other ones didn't have any actual humans on them either. Yeah, this is this, this, this is something we haven't really mentioned yet, but it's this is um, the first of the series where a lot of the covers aren't showing characters. Um, mm-hmm. Order of the Phoenix, more than any of the other books, took that approach, and the assumption was kind of that this, like, again, a three-year gap, and really there wasn't that much revealed about what was coming, and the the covers didn't really, some of the covers didn't really tell us that much more. Um, right, yeah. And this definitely takes that approach. I do like that yeah. they're kind of suggesting that the Thestrals, like, gallop in the air as they're flying. Because they're all like a different. Mm-hmm. That's true. It looks like um the 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 Pegasus in in Fantasia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what you I can like see? I guess it's Harry's hand, uh, holding on. To oh the yeah, pedestal. right at the neck. Oh. Right uh, in the yeah. center in the neck, or somebody's hand. Yeah. Uh, and somebody else's foot in the left, actually. Oh yeah, that's right. What about the bottom one? And so, like maybe somebody's back, maybe somebody's hunched back. I think I think it's their hands. I think it's their robes whipping out behind them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. That's great. And then fire or something on the spine potentially. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that looks yeah, that really looks cool. cool. Yeah, these are cool covers. I like, that I one. like those. And oh, is that an apple up at Joe's name? I thought so too. It's actually the um, it's like a it's like a phoenix. It's oh, a beach. oh yeah, it's a, you're right. It's, it's a, a profile bird. shot. It's a profile shot of the phoenix, which I assume is like an icon that was used on the spine as well. Probably. Oh, that's right. They they always put a magical animal in that area. That's right. Because it was is like it was serious for Prisoner of Azkaban or something like that, right? That's yeah. right. That's oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. I remember that. 
Harry Potter yep, and the Order von the Phoenix. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we get on to the Russian cover, and I like this a lot. This is mostly very because different it's different. One. It's very, a little freaky, different. right? Yeah, quite freaky, quite quite freaky. It's the prophecy with a snake inside of it. Wait, it's <laughs> not. Oh, I thought it was the in essence divided thing. Which I oh. thought was an interesting. Oh, you mean the out. little device that Dumbledore uses? Yeah. Oh. It could be the prophecy, though. I think it's the prophecy based on the because the the device isn't quite described to look like that. That's true. So it could be either. Is that like uh, Nagini trying to get the prophecy, and realizing <laughs> that she has no opposable thumbs? No hands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a Let disappointed me wrap it with snake. My tail. <laughs> She's like. Darn it. <laughs> These are very... I don't remember the other ones from Russia, but this particular one is v- very much in a similar vein to the um, adult UK covers. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's still different, but it's definitely the same kind of style. The the reflection, or what uh, what else we're seeing inside the prophecy is weird. There's like a window, yeah. and oh. maybe a person standing on the right, whatever that other white thing is. I don't know. I can't really tell. Russia, you need to get on that Photoshop job there. Get that, no, I like yeah. it. Get rid of that glare. It's very bizarre. Very bizarre. But it's nice. Like, it's a good cover. I like how yeah. it looks like it says, like, Top and Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Russians that might listen to this show. Harry Potter e Odin Finitska. Finitska. Sorry. So, that's what I got Is that wrong. Google Translate helping you out there? Yeah. These, yeah. Nice. Whenever that I can't read them, I'm using Google Translate. And I'm sure it's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you hit, Has them, Google hit Translate it on the nose. never let us down? <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> uh, now we move on to picking up the pace here. We move on to Spain. Uh, very, like, cinematic-like type uh, image of Harry, you know, in distress, holding the glowing orb and with his wand drawn, um, kind of running through, you, you get this by the flames, the motion blur on the flames that he's running through the Hall of Prophecy. Very, very cool shot. But I like this it is just hairy. I've always liked, I've always liked these covers. Yeah, they, they use, um, they use, it looks like a kind of pastel look yeah. to their covers. They're very mm-hmm. soft. It's interesting because their, their covers tend to kind of be adapted from Mary Grand Prix's works. Um, but they have a much softer, more kind of childlike feel to them. But that's yeah. a good one. And they're pretty flat, too. If yeah. you look, there's not a whole lot of dimension in that. Um, yeah, just in the way that the room seems yeah. to curve at the top. Right, and that's about a it. Bit, which is really cool. And then you can tell that the room's moving because the flames are going yeah, sideways. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. So, uh, I don't know. I've always liked those covers. They feel very ethereal. And you can actually see Harry's scar in this one, which is nice, because yeah. you can't see it yeah. in a lot of them. I feel bad because I can't. I, I, the proper way to say his name would be to roll the R, but I, even though I live in New Mexico, I can't roll my R's. But it, <laughs> it'd be Her, Harry Potter y la Orden del Phoenix. Very sexy, Michael. Sí, gracias. <laughs> and next, we move on to Sweden. Oh my where, God! Where <laughs> Harry is about to go into battle <laughs> on a wind riding umbrella. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. 
writing what is clearly the Thestral. But the most but, bad arse Thestral. <laughs> that you, it's yeah. so comical. This that, is so awesome. This is so cool. Harry like, is determined. It, Look at Harry. Yeah. He's just like... I am rescuing my godfather. This right is now. the Batman version of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and look at the look at the sky. Look at the He's epic like the break in the clouds. Handed, the the like, sky is such a cool color that let's, offsets the Thestral. Gorgeous. The Thestral's a creature of shadow, but the light source and the sun in the background is just really cool. That's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Is it It is. It's really pretty. Although I mean like the horse is a little like what is that? Disney horse that has like the giant teeth. Oh, Disney horse um, with the giant teeth. It's he's very old. He's from like the very very early Disney cartoon. Oh, horse horse collar. Yep, there you go. <laughs> totally reminds me of him with like the giant oh, like horse horse collar. Of course, derp, I'm looking him derp, up. Derp 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 derp. You know. So. Oh, that's funny. Harry Potter and Och Phoenix Orden. Yeah. There you go. Harry I like how you do the accents too. <laughs> <laughs> the very stereotypical accents. I'm sorry, listeners, but that's how we work in the voiceover world. He's he is also super skinny in this cover. Like, boy needs to be eating. But it's accurate. It is. That's true. Yeah. Um. Okay, guys. This next oh one. Oh <laughs> This is so cool. This is like These Harry always- Potter. Harry Potter meets Richie Rich. <laughs> he's like, so he's much just gold. Like, he, he has scored himself a golden fountain. Like, he's just one life. And, except it's not to last because somebody's just shot the head off the wizard. And all these people are running around playing freeze tag, like, all around him. <laughs> I it's a battle so of the young. ministry, but like, it's weird because like it's not the first time like we that we see open air and we assume we're outdoors, but we're not. Like yeah. it just it looks like it's open air, but it's not the Great Hall. Yeah, and it it looks it, like the there's elements of it that look like the cover the American cover for Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Where they're I guess the, in the end they weren't outside as we had initially speculated there it's supposed to be in the great hall at the beginning of in, in death of deathly hell yeah that's right? that's the sunset that you see yeah in the, the red and the orange or the yeah. sunrise I although in that case the ceiling is bewitched to look like the sky and that's right. not the case with the ministry mm-hmm. right it's at least not here i love these covers i am determined to get a set of these absolutely gorgeous covers because the neat thing too about them is the like kazu's paperbacks uh, the spines kind of make a little neat artwork of their own, oh. which oh, really? wasn't cool. Well, yeah, and they weren't pre. I they couldn't have been pre-planned. I think the artist just right. made them as they went. But they make a really neat little kind of hmm. thing of their own. And uh, yeah, these covers are. I I think what's interesting too about these covers is that kind of like Mary Grand Prix, they matured from a very somewhat abstract covers to very definitive depictions of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Because there's there's a lot of weird symbolism in some of the earlier Ukrainian covers. They're super mega awesome. Yeah, I like Harry. Look, Harry's wearing like trainers, like I know. <laughs> with yeah. no socks. At, at first, at first, I was like, "Is that a like a battleship or something?" <laughs> then I realized it was a sneaker. <laughs> sneaker. Is that a battleship? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You know what I yeah. like too is if you notice one of the wisps, the one under Harry's hand is turned into a snake. Oh, Ooh, yeah, that's look at that. cool. 
That's awesome. This little tongue and the prophecies in his left hand, and he's like, "I am God." <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's actually hovering above his hand. Yeah, yep, he it is. is. Yeah. He is a god. It's so. He cool. looks so young. Well, well, I mean, he's only fifteen. I think compared to compared to how he looks in the older Ukrainian editions, there's definitely a notable maturity. Oh, okay. That's been okay. added, but yeah, he does look young. How? And look, there, there's an actual dead person on the stairs, and Hermione <laughs> actually has dead. bushy hair. Yeah, Hermione's kicking butt over there on the right side of the cover. Although maybe that's not Hermione. I think that's Hermione. I think it is. Because the ones in blue are the yeah. students. Mm. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. fair enough. Fair I like the wizard at the <laughs> like a wizard at the top left who's like, Woo <laughs> <laughs> I won red hot lava. <laughs> maybe <laughs> He's like, uh, I am the champion. I wonder if that's serious. Like yeah, oh. right before he dies. No, Sirius is the dead one. Oh, he's the one on the Are stairs. Sure? <laughs> no, could be Bellatrix. That's a Death Eater. But uh, maybe. I mean, how do you know it's a Death Eater? <laughs> it's because they're in black. Everybody's in black except the students. No, the students are in blue. Everybody else is in black, and the white. Oh, you mean there's? It could be an Order member. Yeah. Um, I, I just said it's Sirius. <laughs> no, Sirius's body goes through the veil, though. It doesn't hang around on the stairs. But maybe it does. Harry Potter e Ordin Finexa. It's pretty close to the Russian version, actually. It's a pretty, it's really because cool it's you, it's the Ukraine, so yeah, they'd be. But yeah, those are. I like um, the the. Who is this publisher? Aga 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 aga. Close. It's actually aga aga aga. You missed that one accent. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, Mm, and so uh, finally, we we get to the much-awaited Vietnam uh, <laughs> cover. Um, and this is actually, for those of you who don't know, the UK has two different editions, mm. um, or started out having two different editions, uh, adult and children's edition. And this is actually the same uh, cover as the UK adult edition, only with the Vietnamese language. Uh, and the number the five in the O for Potter, yeah. which I found odd. Yeah. I think it's cool. I'm wondering if that's where they put all the numbers for all of their... That's I don't know. It's just weird. It feels so random and arbitrary. Like, I get it, but it's just... Mm-hmm. Well, it's like um, on the spine of the U.S. books, right? It says, like, year one, year yeah. two, yeah. year three. Well, that it's, makes sense. It's just like doing that, though. Yeah, it's a pretty cool phoenix. Yeah, the, um, Rising from the flames. Once again, the, and this is the tack that the U.K. took with their approach is, uh, it's just a phoenix. Like it's a it's right. It's the the adult editions never have people. No, it's always about one icon that represents to make them not embarrassing. So adults. Well, no, because this is like if you took the UK children's edition (laughs) and you just added some really awesome shading and depth to it, and suddenly like looks so fierce. Statue (laughs) of the most awesome phoenix of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter, va hoi fung huang, J.K. Rowling. Okay. Valid. Okay, really. oh. Valid. Um, the U.S. full cover we talk about, or we have talked about at length already oh, so on our pretty. show. There's it's a the one that a lot there. of us have, the jacket. We never talked about this cover. What you yeah, talking about, did. son? We ta- I remember talking for like two hours about this. No, uh, we didn't. Yeah, we back, when we back on MuggleCast, Muggle right? No, no, when we started the book. <laughs> when we started going through this book, we talked at length about the tall man in the, in the shadow and whether that was Snape or Sirius, and who each person was. I swear on a little more, we talked about this. Hmm. You know, the, but you've got that. the candles, you've got Harry, 
uh, looking one year older and not two years, not more. <laughs> just one year older than no, he well, did. Yeah, well, he's drastic. Like, this is where I think Mary Grand Prix's art took a very interesting turn. Um, mm-hmm. comp- like, this, this is where she started using one color only. Goblet of Fire kind of started that, but she really took it to the yeah. max with order. Um, and what was, uh, theory, as far as theories went, because we got this cover, of course, before we got the book, um, is a lot of people were like, who are those people on the back? And probably the most interesting one was that nobody knew who Tonks was, and a lot of people thought she was a guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember confusing, I think I got everybody wrong like the wrong gender, the wrong yeah. gender. <laughs> it's all wrong. Well, and you know the you know um, the way I don't know if you guys can see this this way. And I used to be so confused by this. But you know how that's Moody's cloak? Like that's the neck of his cloak and that's his hand reaching around the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me that looked like that hood that that his the neck of his cloak looks like a hood and it looks like a separate person. Like reaching over to a door to me oh. that's what i first oh, saw oh yeah yeah like it's somebody who's just behind yeah, yeah like a hood of a uh-huh. like uh, the em- emperor palpatine is yes. like coming out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i used to think it was just i, I, th- I used to think it was a death theater or something like that and then i was like and then somebody told me that I was like no that's moody that's his hand and i was like oh i've been looking at this wrong for so long you know the uh there's the there's the wisps still turn into a snake yeah, no, I love that. That's, That's I, really have, cool. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Before. Yeah, I've never noticed a snake. Yeah. The other notable one that we don't have on the list is that, of course, um, I don't think we have it here. Is that um, the deluxe? Yeah, the deluxe Mary Grand Prix in these for these last three, she did deluxe editions, which are come in pretty boxes, and the cover is on the box, oh. and then okay, the yeah. deluxe edition is on the cover, and um, it depicts all the order flying <laughs> to Grimald Place, which is also really. That's cool. Beautiful. Yeah. I really like the font of the and the Order of the Phoenix. I like that, like the wispy smoke, flowy. I don't know what it is. Yeah, because the font is like the 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 sub the subtitles font is done by Mary Grand Prix, yeah. so she always designs Ooh. it differently. I think honestly, like some of Mary Grand Prix's best work is these deluxe covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah right. I've never really, seen these. That's a really cool building, and it's if you notice, Grimmauld Place is like ghostly. Yeah, it's yeah. faded out. It's in it's in the center, but you can also see the buildings on either side of it, and they're like, you know, it like overlaps the other two buildings. That's very clever. Who um who are the 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 cloaked the hooded figure? <laughs> is that, I mean, I just hear Hermione every time I say. Figure. Oh, it's it's uh Bella and Narcissa. Book early, <laughs> <laughs> just wandering Whoops. down the street, just chilling. <laughs> Ah, that's a good question. What's the no- what's oh. the note that's on fire, right there? The note from Dumbledore. Yeah. Oh, the Howler. Oh yeah. And the gl- oh my god, do you guys see the glasses hanging off the fence? Yeah. Oh. Those those Dumbledore's glasses. Oh whoa, that's cool. Whose are those? Probably Dumbledore. Dumbledore's. They're the half moon ones. You- a book early. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Again. And what's the little package in the in the left corner in the grass? Oh yeah, little... is that a is that a doggy bag from Sirius? That looks like a rat. I, somebody you, did a ding dong ditch, you guys, on Grimmauld Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. wow! It's really pretty. That's I do want to know who the hooded figures are, though. Hooded figures. I like how it looks like all the people on the brooms are like dive bombing this. Book. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the two red? Oh, there's a couple of red stars. Yeah, they're stars and planets. Yeah. That's Mars. Oh, um, Mars is bright. <laughs> and there's five of them. <laughs> uh, 
Who yeah, do we that's... think is the legs? Who's the legs? Harry. Mm, the shoes are wrong. I don't think he wears pointy shoes. <laughs> no, 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 not pointy shoes. Oh, pointy, but they have heels, but only little heels. Remus. Yeah. Uh, oh, it could yep. be Remus. I see him Probably as being Remus. stylish. Yeah, those are nice shoes, Remus. Well done, yeah. sir. Nice heel on those shoes. I mean, well, it's, it, those are flats, kids. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. So with, with the U.S. version, we continue to cheat uh, because we have so many. <laughs> <laughs> Such uh, so disgusting. And, of course, the next uh, next cover that we're going to analyze is Kazu Kibuishi's Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Beautiful. The front and the back. I love the front of this book. Oh, Beautiful. It's so pretty. Although Hogwarts is a little too Japanese-looking for me. Mm-hmm. Um but the clouds and the sun and the yeah. thestrals, oh, they're beautiful. This I is absolutely the, love it. Harry is being has been possessed. And his, <laughs> his eyes are his eyes are glowing. It's a very Ghostbusters two style, like Yannish, like with the laser eyes, um, <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, overall, and this the, the, it's much more muted in color than the other ones mm-hmm. on thestrals that we were looking at earlier, mm-hmm. um, like uh, Netherlands. Um, I'm looking now, of course, or in particular, uh, Sweden had like really bright sunset. This is more more muted, but it fits. I think the the, yeah. the use of purple is really nice. Yeah, because yeah, clearly those other countries has never been to Scotland in the evening <laughs> because those colors, yeah, bright. Yeah. Well, and yeah. once once again, and what's so fascinating about this is that Kazu, of course, didn't do these covers over the period of years he just did them all in a short shorter amount of time and uh, yet he still kind of continued that motif of maturing the color palette yeah um because mm-hmm. the the first four that he did are very colorful um mm-hmm. and this one is definitely more muted in comparison and then especially the the back cover which if y'all remember we exclusively premiered on MuggleNet, the one of um you know the dream team, as we say, in the in the circular room, with a quote that gives everything away. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Ka- I'm coming with you, Harry. Ka- Kazu got to choose these quotes. So I love that he, he chose Neville. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. That's important. Super important. You know what really bothers me though? It's like my OCD hates this back cover because everything is so off center. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bothering me, and I can't I deal with this. They're not standing in a perfect deal. triangle like they do in the films. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's that like, like the quote is centered, but then like the, the little centered. citation, the citation is like off to the yeah. right a little too far, and then right like aligned. the group of people are to the yeah. left, of the and like it's 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 killing me. Plus, Luna kind of looks like Lucius from. The back. <laughs> From behind, so no. it's like, sure, got the long blonde yeah, hair going on. I like that with the back covers, because Kazu does this with all the back covers, is that you usually only see the characters from their backs. Um, right. Right. There's I a like few that. that have a front-facing character, but mostly it's from the back. And what, what I liked about this, not only that sense of kind of, which he said what he wanted to do, was that you're kind of walking into an adventure um, but also that it it's very similar, I think, unintentionally to the approach that Pottermore takes, um, where yeah. they keeping them to, they yeah. ex, they explicitly don't want to draw faces because they want to let the readers imagine the faces. Right. Um, Kazu does use faces on his covers, but I think that's mm-hmm. a really great approach to kind of leave that to the reader. You know, we talked about the UK adult edition because it was very similar to Vietnam. 
but now we've reached the UK children's edition. Yay! Which I have this one. It's <laughs> very um it's very pretty. It it really is. It looks great when you're holding it too. Um it's a bright yellow. It's it's bright yeah. flamey, bright flamey phoenix. It looks so much better in person than it does on the internet, you guys. Yeah, like, it's really so it really does. Yeah, yeah, has a lot yeah. more depth. Yeah, the internet. Yeah, yeah the, the, it, it looks so flat when you look at it on a JPEG. Yeah. but it's it yeah. does have depth to it. I it's not. I've never been. I feel bad about this because I know the UK listeners get upset when we say this because they feel we're being really elitist, and we probably are. But I've never been much of a fan of the UK children's editions. I have them, but I'm not much of a fan of them. Oh, see, I love yeah, me them. Too. Yeah, I actually prefer the adult yeah. editions oh, of the really? UK. Yeah, I like the adult mm-hmm. editions. I love the children's ones. I think they're fun. <laughs> I think no, they're really they pretty. pretty. They're just not. Yeah. The you know where I think the. The Order of the Phoenix Children's Edition is really, really wins points is the back. Because um, there's, a, there's yes. a depiction of the, the statue um, in, like, it, it's uh, it's just the statue in operation in a hall of the ministry. And that's really well done. It That looks And there's, nice. like, the exploding water. and Yeah, it's great. I like how the phoenix on this looks so happy, though. <laughs> Hey, this is gonna be a fun book, you guys. Oh yeah, I haven't how, been. How do you say this? Uh, I haven't been. How do you say this book cover? Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Ah, oh, there we go. I forgot the American one. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Very like, well done, Like Michael. Harry Potter and the, the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, the Order of French Fries and Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry H-P-O-O-T-P. Right <laughs> <laughs> See, listeners, we can make fun of ourselves, too. Yeah, there we go. Oh, Finally, wait, they're the, waiting for that. That's the children's edition, so it has to be more like, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, that was cute. Cute. little kid moment. (laughs) So, uh, guys, the UK is catching up to the US and how many times they're willing to redo and resell (laughs) the Harry Potter covers. It used to be, like, they started off real strong because they had adult and children's for each book. And I thought that was, you know, cool, but also questionable. But now they have, in addition to the UK children's and UK adults of old, they have the signature edition. And then they also have Johnny Duddle, uh, artist, I believe, did, what would you even call it? Like the, these are brand new, right? These are like in response to Kazukibuishi's yeah. kind of new age, like new. I think they're the new children's covers because yeah. there's, new, ad- covers. there's yeah. new adult covers too. Yeah. Okay. And then the new adult covers is the, is the one that we're looking at that's purple, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're completely remaking the children's and the adult versions, mm-hmm. which they mm-hmm. used to do. And then in addition to that, there's the signature. So let's look at the signature version first, because this is a very cut and dry, you know, white background, kind of just like um, colored penciled on, which I really like. This is like Harry Potter, like QVC. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like these Oh, covers. no, they're pretty, but it just, that's what it makes me think of. They're all, they're all kind of based in like gems and diamonds kind of look. You. You know what I wish, and or maybe I don't wish, is that you know you see the label of the prophecy. I wish you could actually read it. Oh. It looks Ooh. like it was pretty well written out, even if it's not quite like <laughs> the scratches on it are very well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like it's really etched on there. That's the one you yeah, have to say, um, like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. That's the that's the posh yes. one. <laughs> with, that is the posh I'm not one. sure whether to have this book with the red or the white. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I got to get myself. Next time I'm in London, when I know I know when this is going to be, but next time I'm over there, I have to get this this copy this and the others because I want to know what the others look like. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving on to the UK new adult version, very interesting uh, typesetting or very interesting um, font uh, used, but I like it. It's an image of it looks like the stag, right? Yeah. This is not a Thestral. Is it a that? Do Thestrals don't have antlers, do they? No. Is no, it supposed to be stag. the stag yeah. fighting the Dementors at the beginning of the book? Oh, oh I think so. Oh. That is a Dementor behind Rolling. That's right. Yeah, behind Rolling is a Dementor. That's cool. Somebody confused That's... Order of the Phoenix was Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was supposed to be the Prisoner cover, but then they were like, ah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I like that they picked uh, the Dementors attacking Little Winging in the yeah. tunnel. Yeah, yeah t- totally not the usual scene to grab from this yeah, book. That's very right. well. I mean, I like that it's bold and yet kind of flat and yeah. very um, adulty. It looks like the yeah. The font reminds me of um, oh, what was his name? Was it Saul Bass, the guy who did all the stuff for the Hitchcock movies with the with yes. the font? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's very. Um, it reminds me of uh, what The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. The way that that book is is types like laid out with the. Uh, it's the same thing that Michael's talking about. It's like a very pulpy feel. Mm-hmm. To, like the the letters themselves pop. J.K. Yeah. Rowling, Harry Potter, and the Order of the Phoenix. I like that they used That's... an ampersand instead of and. I love yeah, the cool. ampersand. <laughs> That's like my favorite symbol on the keyboard. That's not true. <laughs> like it. They didn't want to block anymore. <laughs> um, and now we get to the new children's editions of J.K. Rowling. Uh, this one is uh, you said by John Johnny Duddle cat. Mm-hmm. Johnny Duddle. This is another really cool, like really well captured color scheme. And you see Harry does look young. He looks like a girl. Yeah, yeah he does no. look I totally that is like that is like a, a, a sweet ass pixie hair <laughs> got going on. I think that's the one failure for me with Duddle's new covers is that he doesn't mature Harry as good as the other illustrators do. Yeah. He yeah, pretty much so keeps small. him looking exactly the same through the whole seven. But the mm. yeah. but otherwise, oh my god, these are gorgeous. That Thestral is so fierce. <laughs> Girl <laughs> That Thestral uses yeah. L'Oreal because he's worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, if the wind changes, Harry's gonna choke to death on that Thestral's hair. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. If, I, if the Thestral ever stops ascending. I really like uh, Johnny Duddle's version of Hogwarts. Oh, I was gonna say Me I'm too. not a fan of that. Oh really? It's 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 less yeah. it's less um it's less Japanese as Kat said of uh Kazu Kibuishi's but it's kind it of just, more movie-ish. It's very uh burrow like. Yeah. Mm. And I I don't know. It doesn't look it's like very narrow. Castle. Yeah. Like it's solid. A little, it's a little small. Imposing for... castle. I I mm. see it reminds me and listeners if you ever if you find your old Harry Potter merchandise if you have any of the old Harry Potter trading cards, they were all, um, even though they're all done by different artists, they all kind of had a kind of general guideline to follow with their with their artwork. And one of those was that Hogwarts essentially has to look the same in all of their art. And I really like how they did Hogwarts in that version. And this mm. is close to that. This isn't quite as epic as their version, but it's closer. I think, like, I mean, honestly, the movies have made the most iconic version of Hogwarts possible. You yeah, just right. really can't revise it. But I think this was a really good try. <laughs> Again with the yeah. setting sun. 
Yeah, I like that. Very good color covers. And the new Harry Potter logo. They really revamped yeah. that. <laughs> That's just so it's so starry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's so magical. I like that they they, oh, oh, they were like but no. the lightning bolt in the, yeah. in the O. Yeah, they yeah. moved the that's, lightning bolt. That's, that's like a that's like a mocking jay type thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Love it. And I so, I feel that one's just Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It's just quiet. Yeah. Yeah, and lovely, quiet and lovely. How many? How many more covers will be released between now and half? And when we finish up? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> to those listeners who are still with us, we hope that you enjoyed our going through each of the covers uh, of the Harry Potter books uh, for Order of the Phoenix. It's a special treat that we get to do every every time we wrap a book. And and with that, we say goodbye to Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, the book. Bye bye. <laughs> I'm crying a little bit. Single tear. Oh, it's okay because I love the other, I love the next. I am expelliarmusing so. my copy as far away from me. As I, can. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't make you like it anymore. No, I I like the no. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. No, I mean, it actually definitive. Actually, this reading definitively puts it at the bottom of my list. Wow. Yeah. It's and and not because it's not a bad book. It's still an excellent book on its own merits. But mm-hmm. and it's not even that the the book is bad. It's my I think it's my personal reaction to the book. Like how it just mm-hmm. makes me feel. Mm-hmm. I don't like feeling that way after reading Harry Potter. Um yeah. and I Yeah, that's true. It leaves me so sour and tired that I I'm sure. so ready to Oh my god, Half-Blood Prince come Come here, Half Blood Prince. <laughs> Can't happen yeah, soon enough. Half-Blood Prince, like, I was worried I wouldn't feel happy about Harry Potter again until Half Blood Prince came out. And I was like, this book was lovely, mm-hmm. but it gave um, you something worth fighting for. No, I felt, I felt, I felt exhausted. I felt betrayed by the author that I loved because um, wow. she killed Sirius. But I was just like, yeah, I was. It's a, it's a miracle that all of us kept reading. I think um, not me. She well, put a, yeah. I think she put us through our paces. More than any other yeah. children's author ever had. It's nice to be, yes, it's nice to be challenged. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. This book was challenging in many ways. Mm-hmm. I have come to appreciate it a little bit more, I think, through this Good reread. Good girl. That's it's the right still answer. down near the bottom but of Mad my girl. <laughs> but Wrong answer. I, <laughs> I have come to it's appreciate okay. it. I just can't wait till we get to Deathly Hallows. I'm excited for that. Soon, 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 dear. Allison, you're going down. No, yeah. no, no she writes so Allison beautifully. Allison and Eric, that's between the two of you. You guys are going to get That's going to be a duel. That's a duel. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to be good. All right. Well, after this enormous episode, if you would still like to be on the show, we are now scheduling <laughs> for Half-Blood Prince, which, as you can tell, some of us are excited about. So go to our Be On The Show page at alohamora.mugglenut.com. Um, you don't need any fancy equipment, just a set of Apple headphones, and we look forward to hearing from you. And in the meantime, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, of course, on Tumblr at MN Alohomora Podcast. Our phone number is 206-GO-ALBUS, 206-462-5287, and you will be using that phone number during the movie watch as well, should this episode actually happen to be released before the movie watch. <laughs> there you go. And of course, don't forget, you can always leave us an audio boom over at alohomora.mugglenet.com. It is free. All you need is an internet connection and a microphone, and keep it under 60 seconds. 
please. Thank you. And I do just have to stress, make sure and get your stuff in for Half-Blood Prince if you guys want to be on the show, listeners, because we've already had comments from people who are sending in their stuff. Um, Half-Blood Prince is going to be really popular, I think. So get on that. Um, yeah, some of the episodes are already scheduled out. Um, mm-hmm. So, And while you're submitting your stuff to be on Alohomora, make sure and visit our store uh, where we have sweatshirts, long-sleeve tees, tote bags, and <laughs> flip-flops. You know what? I'm going to buy some of those flip-flops and I'm going to wear them at the Harry Potter <laughs> celebration I, at the end of the month. It's especially humorous here in New Mexico because it's like 14 <laughs> degrees right now. Yeah, I was going to say, there's <laughs> <laughs> we had snow and today. It's cold. Yeah, we woke up to snow. But there is also so much more. So not just you can laugh about the flip flops and then move on to other items that might be more pertinent right now. Uh, we also have ringtones that are free and available on our website, alohomora.mugglenet.com. Make sure and check them out. And there is the smartphone app, which is available on this side of the pond and the other. <laughs> Prices do vary. <laughs> Uh, you can get the app on both Android and iOS devices, and this app will get you access to transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings of our podcast episodes, host vlogs, and more. Any content. All for the betterment of oh, man. It's a good time. We should just uh, have like the extended can... edition of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and this one was felt like a Peter Jackson movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think that does it for Order of the Phoenix and episode 117. Uh, I'm Eric Skull. Bye-bye, Order of the Phoenix. I'm Michael Harley. <laughs> I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm crying for you, Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> I'm Kat Miller. Thank you for listening to episode 117 of Lohomora. Open the Dumbledore. And then shut it on the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Prince, here we come. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> oh man I love it right? And in the same order in which we discussed them. So let's talk about Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow this was this was alphabetical, but for some reason Vietnam is at the top of the is at the top of the document. Yeah, I'm not sure how that happened. It was definitely Oh wait, Vietnam is at the bottom. You can Vietnam is also at the bottom. (laughs) Why is it Vietnam's uh, here twice, so I yeah. guess we're talking about Vietnam twice. Let's start without being. That's amazing. Okay, that was great. All right, Woo. we're gonna talk about. Uh, okay.